0: All right. Welcome in, y'all, to another episode of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. This is episode 14 coming at you. I'm Kenny Cochran, joined, as always, by my co-host here, Mr. Jake Hule. Oh, yeah. We're back after another amazing week of football. Week one, NFL. Week two, college football. Got a couple cool SEC matchups to talk about. Um, Obviously, the dogs. We'll get into dogs talk. Um a lot of cool stuff happening right now. it's getting to the time of year now in the football season, week three, week four as we as we move a, a little bit farther along to where you start seeing some some pretty fun matchups, a little hate week action with South Carolina we've got going on right now. I know we always love the the ramp up to this game. I know South Carolina's not you know the team they have been in the past, but for some reason man, this team and this game has so much animosity behind it as a Georgia fan that it just always, always, always makes it interesting. So, um, yep, yeah, got some dogs talk, got some Falcons talk, and then uh, just a little talk around college football and the NFL for y'all today. So without further ado, Jake, you got anything for him today?
1: Man, I have some stuff, Kenny. It was a beautiful weekend of football and family, as Mr. Brian Kelly down at LSU Man, would no say. Um, you know, I almost forgot something, Kenny. Great introduction, by the way. Got to always start off that way, sir. It was it was as smooth as, as always. Uh before we get kicked off you know gotta use a little pun right there about football let's go ahead and lead this stuff off like my name's ronald acuna with some with some braves talk uh not much on the braves i'm really sorry about this guys me and kenny have been slacking on their braves i've been catching them when i can uh right now we're on a west coast trip so the games kind of start at a inconvenient time for us starting at 10 o'clock uh i'm not gonna stay up for a 10 o'clock game i love the braves there's nothing to watch right now on a Tuesday night, but I guarantee you as soon as we end this thing, I am going to sleep. I'm sorry, Cal Wright. I'm sure you're going to go out there and pitch a gym. Time check, nine seventeen, September 13th, so you can kind of get an understanding where we're at. But let's go ahead and start off with Seattle. The Braves played a weekend series in Seattle, and we lost two out of three. Uh, I want to say we started off the series with a win. Uh, game two, they beat us pretty fairly. Game three, we fought back. We took a one-run lead. Then the man, Mr. Kenley Jansen, comes in and gives up two bombs, one to Julio Rodriguez and one to Eugenio Suarez, and blows the save. Um, in his last 11 appearances, Kenley Jansen, nine and two-thirds innings, 10 hits, seven runs with a 6.52 ERA. Kinley has been rough. And when he was asked about it after that game in Seattle, uh, he was asked if he would consider using Raciel Iglesias, uh, or Rysel Iglesias, however you want to pronounce it, um, if he would consider using him in the closing role and Snicker came out and said it was one bad outing and he is the guy that leads the National League in saves. I want to also state that he is also the guy that leads the National League in save opportunities and blown saves. So, I mean, it's kind of a dual So We talk about my boy Kenley. Um, Kenley's a veteran. He's a guy that in L.A. we saw this same type of thing happen last year and Dodgers fans fell off of him quick. But near the end of the season he did figure stuff out so i'm not completely off the Kinley boat but seeing how good iglesias has been in a braves uniform i definitely would not be uh against using him in the closing role at least you know for a couple weeks and let kenley come in and maybe pitch some like low level low leverage like eighth inning appearances or maybe a low leverage ninth inning appearance where it's not a save opportunity just to kind of get his mechanics right because i know he had mentioned that um he feels like his mechanics are one of his biggest issues he has right now he's having problems with his mechanical issues obviously Kenley's a bigger guy. He's an older guy. So um, I'm sure he, I don't know if it's, you know, health issues. Maybe he has something that feels uncomfortable when he's trying to do his normal thing or, or what it is. But, you know, we're just hoping that Kenley can get this thing back rolling, because obviously whenever Kenley Jansen's on, he's a huge part of this brace pin.
2: Kenny, uh, before you start talking, your mic is not on. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. You are live and clear. I don't know what happened. I'm not muting myself. I don't, I don't know
1: what it is either. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll keep my eye on you. If I see the mouth moving, yeah. I, I'll say something.
0: Well, I was just going to say one thing I heard Snit say in that same interview you were talking about that just absolutely pissed me off was, oh, he, he, used, uh, he tried to justify Kenley still being the closer by saying that he saved three of his last five. Hey, bud, blowing two saves out of five is not good.
2: No, that
1: is, that, is, that is not good, especially when you're in a tight uh, division race like we are.
0: That's 40%, cuz. Five <laughs> save opportunities, and he's blown 40% of them? That is not good, Snit. I don't know what you're smoking over there, man, but 40% of your save opportunities being blown in the past five games is absolutely horrendous. And uh, I love Kenley Jansen, and, and we've been on him. We were excited to see him in a Braves uniform and excited to have him in Atlanta, and we still are. Obviously, Kenley's a legend, and I think he'll regress to the mean, get back to how he's been. But, dude, when you have a guy like Rossell Iglesias right there that's absolutely dealing every time he steps up and and hops on the bump, like, what are you doing, dude? You throw him in there, switch it up a little bit because it's obviously not working. At this point in the season, we can't, be, we can't afford to be losing two of five games, especially blowing leads. In two of five, that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, especially
1: one and a half back because, I mean – obviously the Braves had some frustrating losses and um, I do want to mention that it, it's not only the pitching side of things. Uh, the offense has also struggled recently. Uh, Riley Acuna and Olsen are kind of all going through cold spells right now. Also Contreras has been, has been really cold the past couple last couple games. So, you know, the Braves right now after, after having that big, like, I want to say seven game win streak we had going to the West coast and just the, like it, the whole team has kind of fallen off at a time that you really don't want to see that happen. Um, We are playing the Giants tonight after dropping game one yesterday, Uh, so we're in a three-game skid right now, and obviously the Giants are a decent baseball team, but they are not the same caliber team as the Atlanta Braves, so we want to finish off these last two games of the series. I know we have Kyle Wright on the bump tonight. I don't know who's pitching tomorrow, but uh, Kyle Wright, Jacob Junis, pitching matchup, you got to be confident that being a Braves fan. Wright got lit up his last uh, outing, but the two outings before that, he had seven innings apiece, no runs in either game, so... Obviously, Kenny and I both think that Kyle Wright is a guy that whenever he's on the bump, he gives you a good chance to win every day. And the stats backed it up. I mean, he's he's up there. He's he's among the lead leaders and wins. So, I mean, that's I know it's kind of a non-important stat, but it does show that a guy managed to win games when he's on the bump.
0: Yeah, we love Kyle Wright.
1: Um, I do have a question for you, Kenny, and I, I did not tell you about this beforehand because I, I, I wanted to get your your stone cold opinion. Uh, just Braves fan, Braves fan, no research involved. Jet Godorese got scratched from his start before this previous one. And this previous one, he did not look great again. um, He has not looked great in Atlanta Brewers uniform outside of that uh, one start against the Pittsburgh Pirates where obviously it was a Pittsburgh Pirates lineup that majority of those players are AAA players. So I wanted to ask you the question of if you are Alex Anthopoulos, I know this is not really Snickers' decision. I'm sure he has some input on it of who can come up and who can go down. If you are the person making the decision of who makes that start every fifth day in that fifth spot right now? Do you roll with Jake Odorizzi, or do you look at other options? And what other option would you look at right now? Who would be your favorite to take
2: over that spot?
0: Um, so
2: It's a tricky question. It's, it's, it's a very tricky question to ask.
0: It is tricky for a couple of reasons. Uh, I'm obviously not the highest person in the world on Jake Odorizzi, um, just because of what we've seen from him. It hasn't been stellar. But what I will say about him is... He, he's kind of a guy that's been relatively consistent throughout his career at this point. And when you're talking about a fifth starter <clears throat> or a fifth guy in the rotation with this Braves team, we have some, you know, you, you might not look at it at a major league, de- uh, major league level, but we've got some relative and I say relative depth at that spot of, yes. of guys that we could throw in there. So there's a few options I would say um, to come in there. Um, one in particular that I am just kind of chomping at the bit to get back to some normal outings is Mr. Ian.
2: Yes, Ian.
1: Ian is a very interesting one. Um, my one issue with Ian is Ian has not been lighting it up at AAA like you would hope to see. That, that is one thing that, that kind of makes me a little bit nervous about Ian.
0: Mike's also been struggling here lately. Yes,
1: Mike, has, Mike was dominant down in Rome in his, in his rehab appearances. Everybody, like I know me and Kenny, we were sending texts like live during his first rehab start at Rome. Like, oh, Mike Sororica just struck out his fourth guy in the second inning. Whoa, he just struck out his fifth guy. <laughs> and he got caught up to AAA. And we thought that road was going to be really short to the major league level. Uh, obviously, he bumped him up to AAA after like two starts in Rome. So we thought maybe we'd get him in Gwinnett and uh, he'd be up at the major league level quick. But uh, obviously, that's not really looking like it. And my worry about Mike Soroka is I, I he has not pitched in a meaningful baseball game in two years now. So whenever you're a game and a half back out of first place, I don't know if he's particularly the guy that you'd want to go to in that fifth spot.
0: I'm kind of looking at it from this perspective, Jake. Can you tell me what you think about this? When I look at a guy like Ian Anderson and a guy like Jake Odorizzi, um, the key difference there is age and standing within the – organization. Um, I think even when Ian is struggling a little bit, he gives you the same production you're going to get from Jake Odorizzi. And if I'm looking at a guy like Jake Odorizzi and a guy like Ian Anderson, and you're to ask me, which one would you rather come in and give a high fours, low five ERA? I'd rather watch Ian Anderson give up five runs a game than Jake Odorizzi. Yes, I,
2: I, I do agree with that.
0: If you're talking the options of bringing in a young guy, a prospect, then that kind of excites me a little bit. And one thing I'll say about Ian Anderson, you just said it how he's been struggling a little bit down in uh, AAA. Um, I don't know what it is about his game, but it's changed a little bit. I don't know if you've seen him pitch, but he's turned into a little bit of a dog. Um, 23 strikeouts and 21 innings pitch uh, is a little bit out of the norm for Ian Anderson because this is a guy that hasn't really struck out many batters this year on a MLB level. Um and obviously it's a relatively small sample size in uh in the minors so far this year and I think he's toting up like f- 5 4 ERA right, right now which is not very good but uh I don't know man Jacob Ortizy I mean he kind of is what he is and he, he's I don't hate him at the fifth spot but I don't know it's such a tough situation what would you do if you were in if you were in that position
1: Okay so the it, it is a very tough issue um
2: what I would personally do, what, what I would like to see, is uh, I think I would go with Bryce Elder.
0: I like Bryce, and that's another guy I was going to talk about, if you're bringing up a young guy, a, a prospect, so to speak. Uh, I like Elder.
1: So we've seen Elder in spot starts uh, in, in pretty recent history. I do want to say that both of them happened against Miami, which is another lineup that you can kind of put near that Pittsburgh tier where... There's not much firepower in that lineup, so it's a little bit easier to work your way through that lineup and not, you know, really getting not really hurt yourself too much. You know, if you if you walk a couple guys, but, you know, in his last two starts at the major league level, Bryce Elder has pitched a combined 13 innings. He's given up five hits. He's given up one run. One concerning thing, he has given up five walks, and Bryce Elder is a guy that you don't want to see you give up too much walks because he's not a big strikeout guy, but these numbers I'm about to say is going to go completely against that because he had a crazy 10 strikeout appearance his first one in uh his first one in Miami. Uh 16 strikeouts. Um Elder's a guy that really intrigues me. Um one thing is is in AAA, he still has not really figured out that walk thing. He was a guy that didn't walk much last year, and this year I, I, he's kind of like he's he's managing to give allow a, a couple walks during the game, which is Like I mentioned, it's not something you want to see. Um, You look at other guys like Kyle Muller. Kyle Muller's obviously a guy that we always keep an eye on. He's always a guy that you know could always get that call. And I don't think that at that AAA level, there's one guy that's above another guy. I think that if there was something to happen with Odorizzi, like God forbid an injury or something like that, because and you had to make that move right now, I don't think there was one player that they would just like, okay, that's the guy instantly. Like there's four options down there to me, and that is Kyle Muller, Bryce Elder, Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka. I think Mike Soroka is the least likely of that because I feel like he's more of a long-term play. You're just trying to see what he is this year so you can make that decision in the offseason if you want to keep him around on the team, which I'm assuming the Atlanta Braves will because I don't think he's going to cost very much money to keep him around. Um, Anderson is another guy, but I know he's down there for a particular reason of trying to get his mechanics and everything back, right? So I don't know if that's a move they would like to make right away to put him back in meaningful games. So, that kind of puts me down to Kyle Muller and Bryce uh Bryce Elder. I almost said Bryce Wilson, old, old Atlanta Brave legend. <laughs> um and again, if I was up if if it was my decision out of those two, I would roll with Elder. I think Elder is a little bit more ready for the major league level. I do think Mueller is a better prospect when it comes to upside. I think Mueller has got one of the highest upsides we've seen in this brave system in, in recent years. So but I, I do like I do like the idea of having Elder out there. Um again, this is just a question I was asking you. Um I don't mind Odorizzi. Odorizzi does not bother me much. Like you had said, he's a guy that seems to give up four runs in a game, um, but he 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 won't get. It doesn't seem like he'll get lit up for seven in the first inning. So you know he, he does keep you pretty competitive whenever you have an offense like the Braves when we're rolling.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I'd be excited to see Elder come in. Um, I like him a lot, and he's he's really done a good job for us in the bigs.
1: The beautiful thing is, is the fifth spar- fifth starter spot, is not even going to be a worry in the playoffs. So. We're going to roll out and, and if, we, if we don't win the division, which I believe I'm still in the, in the company that we will win the division um, in the wild card matchup, we'll be able to roll out. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be some mix of Max Fried, Kyle Wright and Spencer, Spencer Strider. And then obviously, if you move on to the next round, then you can throw Charlie Morton in that. And there's not many postseason rotations that are going to look better than that to me. I know Charlie Morton has been up and down this year, but when it comes to playoff time, I mean, you can't beat a big veteran like that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last Braves note, I do want to mention we are now a game and a half back. Uh I think last time we were on, we had celebrated because we had live updates that the Braves had taken a half game lead the division. And now the Braves made up that big deficit we did. We had we were fighting all year, and then we just, you know, decided to quit playing baseball. Which I'm not gonna knock them too hard. Uh West Coast trips, whenever you're an East Coast team, always seem like they bite you really, really hard. I know like two weeks ago the Phillies had a had a West Coast trip and they we're like one in five or one in six during the trip, and they played, I think, worse teams than what we played. I want to say they had some games against Arizona, so not gonna knock the Braves too bad. We just gotta make sure that we don't let this lead get any farther than like three games because we still have a, a series against the Mets later this year, a three game set. So we want to make sure we can maintain it within three, and you know, get back, get back home, and play some good ball when we get back. Yeah, thanks, Kenley. And, again, I want to mention that uh, – sorry about this. I just keep on throwing stuff out there randomly. Uh, Seattle was the toughest opponent we had left on our schedule outside of the Mets themselves. So, we got them out the way. We're only half, one and a half games back. Let's, let's come back and let's fight. That is, that is it for me on the Braves Talk, by the way, Kenny. I'll, I'll let you kick us off into the next segment
2: or if you have any closing thoughts on that.
0: That's it for me. Let's Beautiful. move on. All right. Dog Nation. It's time to talk some Georgia ball. How
2: about them let's, dogs?
0: Let's talk about these dogs, man. We head into a week two game against unranked Sanford. We talked about a little interesting situation with the Sanford head coach being Kirby's first boss in college. Uh, that was a pretty uh, cool dynamic to this game. But it went just about how we expected it to go. It was a shutout win, 33-0. Um, one week after giving up only a field goal in a 49-3 to route of Oregon, um, Took Stanford, brought them in, held them to 128 yards of total offense and only three first downs in the game. So, yeah, this defense is all the way back. Um, No, Another thing to mention, Mr. Stetson Bennett, um, the offense was a little bit lackluster in the sense that we could drive the field, but we were having a hard time punching it in, specifically from like the 10-yard line in, which is pretty uncharacteristic for this Georgia team. So, obviously, you don't want to write things off because we can always get better, but uh, it's a good – Learning experience, I'll say. But uh, Stetson still comes in there, throws for 300 yards, throwing and running for touchdowns on the field. Um, obviously, the defense delivered a, a very, very dominant performance. Um, interesting point here from Kirby in the postgame interview. He says, and I quote, we didn't score touchdowns. You come off a week like Oregon where every opportunity to score a touchdown, we score a touchdown, and then we take a huge step back and have to kick field goals. Good teams you can't do that with. You have to be able to execute well, and we have to do a better job. Um, and that was pretty much perfectly spoken from Kirby. Obviously, a guy like Jack Lesney, J-Pod, comes in there and uh, you know plays an amazing game, puts some points on the board for us. But when you're playing a team like Sanford, you definitely don't want to cut your teeth on field goals. You want to uh, get in there and and score six as often and as prominently as you can, um, like we did against Oregon. So a little bit disappointing there, but nonetheless, uh, a, a good game couple standouts to me, I'll say, um, the tight end room's back, Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers. um, Guys, if you had any doubts that Brock Bowers is still the best tight end in college football, newsflash, he is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say, too, man, one year ago, about the same time, Sanford gave another SEC East team a scare when they came in there and hung a boatload on Florida. Crazy passing game so uh and, and obviously they still have the same passing game the passing attack offensive scheme still there and they just weren't able to move the ball against us so that's just a uh, little bit of a testament to this Georgia secondary
1: yeah definitely uh there were some things i was I was impressed with the Georgia and I was a little bit disappointed with like you had mentioned we had talked about the dynamic between Sanford's head coach and Kirby obviously he got his first job in coaching under Sanford's current head coach I think it was uh
2: what was the team Kenny you, you had mentioned it to me. The team State, that, what is it? Valdosta State. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Valdosta State. Um,
1: like you had mentioned, the offense was having a hard time pushing the ball in the end zone. And I, I want to say one key thing that I think that affects. And I hate to st- I hate to start this off negative, but uh, Mister AD Mitchell got hurt the first play of the game. Um, he suffered a high ankle sprain. I'm not sure how that's going to affect going forward into South Carolina. I'm sure we'll cover that a little bit more tomorrow whenever we give our little previews for the coming up weekend of week football. But A.D. Mitchell, you lose You lose a guy like that whenever it comes to scoring touchdowns and stuff. It's, it's a pretty big loss all the way around. Um, he's the best wide receiver on this Georgia football team. And he is one guy that I will say Mr. Stetson will look at pre-snap if he notices something outside. And he will happily throw that fade route up to A.D. and just let A.D. go up and, and do his thing. So that is one thing I noticed. Uh, Stet, obviously, um, I noticed a couple times he, he did get a little... little I want to say trigger happy on some balls. I don't know if trigger happy is the word I want to use. He, he, he overthrew a couple balls in the, in the, in the red zone. Um, I noticed he had one where Darnell was going across the middle. Like Darnell had to step on his guy and Darnell's not 10 foot tall. He might be damn near close to seven foot tall, but Stetson threw it about like Darnell was 10 foot tall and he, he overthrew him a little bit. Um, And another thing that kind of shocked me is there was a funny stat that we used to keep up with. Cause me, this, this is going to be bad to say because we're, we're Georgia fans. We're on a Georgia podcast, but Kenny and I were not the biggest Jake Fromm fans. And there was a time whenever, I want to say Georgia football was like one in seven whenever Jake Fromm had to throw the ball 30 or more times. It was a very rare occurrence that we saw Jake Fromm drop back and toss the ball around the yard 30 or more times. And oh, how this Georgia offense has changed. Stetson Bennett threw the ball 34 times on Sanford. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it, it's funny that that happens. Obviously, the run game's not like it used to be whenever whenever Mr. From was here with uh the Chubb and the Michelle and the Swift that we had back then. But it, it is interesting to keep track of. Uh, Stetson did add on to his Heisman stock, though. Uh, 300 yards through the air and uh, two total touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground. So we love to see that. Obviously, that's how Bryce Young got such an upper hand on everybody else last year because he played so deep in the games and he, he, he barely got pulled out of game. So. You know, you get those big numbers game in, game out. That, that's what helps your, you know, your counting stats at the end of the season. I didn't notice the offense played very conservative throughout the game, though. Um, I think I had a stat somewhere in here in my notes. Uh, 15 different players had receptions in this game. So that wow. kind of shows that Georgia was kind of kind of running guys out early. There were some guys that were playing, you know, first quarter, like Dylan Bell. He was out wide. Uh, we had a, we had a couple wide receivers out there that are guys that you don't see typically, you know, to start the game, and they were getting good playing time. They did impress. They looked decent. Um, Kenny I Mack,
0: say too, Jake. Not to, to cut you off, but um, I think something about this Georgia team that doesn't get talked about enough is the depth at wide receiver. Um, we're we're pretty pretty deep out there, man. So obviously, yep. a guy like AD goes down. Um, You know, between him and Ladd, you can kind of make the argument of who's the number one receiver on this team. But uh, AD obviously plays such a pivotal role on the offensive side of the ball. But to see a guy like him go down, the depth at the position really gives you the opportunity to be kind of cautious with him and let him make a full recovery because we are deep out there and uh, Stetson can spread the ball. Yeah,
1: definitely. And uh, I I do want to say that I I believe during the broadcast they had mentioned that uh, Kiaris Jackson and Dominic Blaylock were also dealing with a little bit of injuries. They did both play in the game. Um, Kira's got two catches, 33 yards. Uh, Blaylock got one catch, seven yards. So it was good to see them on the field. But you know, this Georgia wide receiver crew was a little banged up. And uh, you know, we go into a little bit of a big game next week against South Carolina. Obviously, again, we'll talk about it again tomorrow. But uh, it's kind of hard to avoid mentioning it whenever we're talking about a Sanford game. Um, I do want to mention while we're on the topic of UGA Sanford that uh Kenny McIntosh continued to do work. You know, catching the ball. I mean, the dude is a monster out of the backfield when it comes to catching the ball, but he does not really so far through two games. We have not seen much on the ground. Um, His stat line on the ground against Samford, he had seven carries for 15 yards. He did have a tud, and I want to say his back-to-back weeks with a rushing tud, but most of those became really, really close to the uh, red zone. Obviously, his long was only six, so I mean, he, he's not really... A, a super dynamic runner, but that that's where Mr. Kendall Milton comes in. Uh 10 carries, 85 yards. I want to say right now he is second in the SEC in yards per carry. Um he had eight point five in this game. I want to say eight point five is his average in in the first two games of the year. So Kendall Milton has looked good on the ground. Obviously, dejon Edwards, uh, he's a solid he's a solid number two guy to have running that ball behind
2: Milton.
0: Yeah, this running back room, man. I mean, 127 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, Milton went for a 19 yard long, so that's pretty good to see. But um I think, you know, and Kirby said this too, he talked about how the running backs did a really good job of running downhill, and in a dynamic offense like this, we mentioned Todd Munkin in podcasts in in the past, talking about how he's come in and kind of revolutionized this Georgia scheme that we run and how we throw the ball a lot more and spread the ball a lot more effectively than we have in the past. Um, When you you bring these running backs in, that's one of the things you ask them to do. Obviously, we talk about Kenny Mack and and how he can – catch the ball out of the backfield, running swing routes. And he's a little bit more of a Swiss Army knife, you could say. But um, Kendall Milton, he kind of gives you the flexibility to uh, to run those between the tackle, run downhill, and get those short yardage situations that you need. And um, in an offense like this, that's really where you're going to make your money in the running game is um, between the tackles, running downhill, getting the short gains, and, and getting first downs.
1: Definitely. Uh, I have one more note I want to mention before we get into our little MVP talk that we had talked about pre-podcast, uh, and it's defensive. Uh, the defense continues to look good, um, like you had mentioned, a shutout, and they are now the last college football team that has not allowed a touchdown. There is not a college football team in the nation that has not allowed a touchdown besides UGA. So continuing off last year, everybody said it was not sustainable. We could not sustain having a historic defense like we did last year. Um, it's looking pretty good through two so far this year.
0: I mean this defense is nuts. Um and also before we hop into the uh, to the MVP talks, I will say um new AP poll came out. UGA number 1 in the nation right now. Uh, we kind of predicted that as well if you follow us on Twitter at Peach State Pod put out a little little tweet to say um you know Bama goes in there with a little struggle game against Texas unranked Texas which we'll talk about here in a sec when we do our SEC breakdowns. Um Looked like Georgia was probably going to get that number one nod, and we sure enough did. Also, wanted to mention um, we have a new favorite to win the title in college football, and that is your Georgia Bulldogs. We jumped Bama. We are now the favorite to win the national championship.
1: Oh yeah! I don't know how I don't know how can we forgot that from the start. But uh, thank you, Kenny, for including us. I was not even thinking about that. It was just, it's it's just common sense at this point. You know, if you watch the first two weeks of college football, you should just assume. Oh yeah, these Bulldogs right
2: here. Um, they, they, they are number one and we're not talking about Mississippi state. No, we're not. Um so Kenny, you want you you want to do MVPs? Uh you
1: want to kick it off or you want me to kick it off? I know you said you had some honorable mentions, you had had a little trouble
2: picking your MVP.
0: Yeah, so I, there's a few guys I wanted to mention cuz when you when I think MVP, I think impact on the game. Um some guys ne- not didn't necessarily fill up the stat sheet, but um I think you, you kind of have some underlying players that, that help contribute to a win. And um, some guys I was really happy to see get some solid production in week two. So I'll kick it off my honorable mentions. I have three here. Uh, number one, Smell Munded, man. Um, led the team in tackles, uh, flying around. We got to see him get a little bit more downhill action than he did week one versus Oregon. We talked about that, how Oregon tends to run a little east to west offense. And, um, you know, but it, it, it's always a benefit to have athletic running backs, but this guy's physical. Don't get mistaken. Um, second guy on my honorable mention list is Mr. J-Pod, Jack Podlesny. Um Obviously, we're limited to a lot of field goals in this game, and you don't ever want to be, but uh, goes out there and kicks an amazing game. It looks great. Um, you p- replace a guy like Rodrigo Blankenship. He's done a hell of a job in that department. My third and final honorable mention, a guy I really considered putting at that MVP spot. This is uh, Michael Williams for me. Um, Michael Williams, if if you don't know about this Georgia defense, this is a team that plays very fundamentally sound. Um, We tend to rely more on scheming and how we put our players into positions to succeed, and uh, the the discipline players that we have on the team and how they're able to wrap up, make tackles, stop the run, stop the pass in the backfield. They don't really fill up the stat sheet. but you'll kind of see it, and a team like Georgia is a is a defense teams have been kind of scheming around for a couple of years now, so that also contributes to that. But Michael Williams records the first sack of the year for the Dogs. Um, so excited to see that coming from him. So um, Jake, did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to to hit, or are you, are we straight MVP with you?
1: I'm straight MVP, man. Right on the bet.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and hear yours. I'm interested in what you got.
1: Okay, so my MVP is actually one of the guys you had mentioned in your honorable mentions, and that is known none other than uh, Mr. Jackpot Lesney, J-Pod. Uh, he went out there. Obviously, we said there's a lot of field goals kicked. He was four for five field goal attempts uh, and three for three in PATs. Um, dude is money. Dude is one of the most accurate kickers in college football. The leg strength is a little bit of an issue. I don't want to say a super issue because he still has a boot, but uh, I do want to say he did miss a field goal and he came up short. I don't know the distance of it. I want to say it was 50-plus, 50 maybe 51, 52, and he was short. So it's a little bit concerning. But, you know, J-Pod, he is, if you get him within 40, 40 45 yards, he is going to make it. There is not a doubt. And he looked great, man. You had mentioned the guy to replace uh, Mr. Rodrigo Blankenship, who we all love as Georgia fans. Specs is a legend. And we could have asked nobody better than Jack Lesney. He looked great in this
2: game.
0: All right, my MVP of the game Tate
2: Rattledge. Mr. Mean Tate, okay.
0: Um, I saw a lot of Tate in this game that impressed me. The offensive line as a whole pretty much pitched a shutout all day. Uh, they look good. They look good versus Oregon. They look good in week two. Um, Tate Rattledge, man, he's a big, mean, physical dude. He looks like 300-pound Morgan Wallen out there with the trash dash and the mullet. He's an absolute unit. Um, I was surprised. I did not know this guy was so athletic. Um, We were pulling him a lot, and I saw him get out into space and block safeties and defensive backs, and he was laying the wood. He was getting pancakes, so I saw this guy at the forefront of every successful running play. He did good in pass pro. Um, Tate Rattledge, man, MVP of the game for me. I thought what he did out there on that offensive line— it can't go unnoticed. We're going to talk about the, the offensive line as the year goes by because, obviously, you get into SEC play, you're going to see some more talented defensive lines, some more talented pass rushes when you get into the good teams. Um, so I'm curious to see how he keeps it up because game two, MVP, I got Mr. Tate here.
1: Big number 69. Uh, I like how we just went into an MVP talk. The first one we did, we we, we didn't do it week one. we going to start this off week two. We're going to try this every week. I think it's a pretty cool thing to do. and we. Get a kicker and an offensive lineman. I guess, I guess that's what you get against Sanford. Like, I don't expect anything less from Stetson Bennett. Obviously, he played a hell of a game, but you know, you are playing Sanford, so you have to get a little bit more deep and nitpicky whenever you are playing a team like this. So, I, I, do, I do like how we both went went a little bit different route right there. It was awesome.
0: I like that too. That's good. All okay. right, you want to uh, you want to get some SEC talk?
1: Let's get into some SEC talk. Let's go. It was a electric weekend when it comes to SEC ball.
0: Yeah, we had a couple key matchups, man. A couple teams let us down. A couple teams showed out in ways that we didn't expect. And then a couple games unfolded the way that we did. Uh, We did a little segment last week where we talked about all three of those. Uh, We're not going to do a formal segment this week. We're just going to kind of run through, hit a couple key points. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kick it off at uh, former number one Alabama traveling to – Texas to take on the unranked Texas Longhorns. Um, This game was a banger, man. We watched this game, early game, so you got to get some eyes on that one early and watch how that one unfolded. Uh, Bryce Young did not look good. Um, He, uh, it it was weird, man. He he was kind of trigger happy. He was kind of antsy back there. I went back, watched some tape on it. It just kind of looked uncharacteristic for him. Um, I don't know if this Alabama offensive line is not as good as they used to be, or maybe Texas pass rush is perhaps a little bit underrated. I'm not 100% sure. We'll have to keep tabs on Bryce as the season unfolds. Obviously, this guy's the number one quarterback in college football, Heisman winner. Um, He's an absolute stud, so I'm not saying anything bad about him from a longevity standpoint. But a game like that, a big game against Texas, first big game we've seen Bama play since the Natty, uh, it's a little bit concerning for your, for your Bama fans out there to see Bryce Young go for two thirteen in and a game leading passing yard aspect. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alabama squeezes it out 20 to 19 win on a, on a game winning field goal. Uh, Texas uh, makes a field goal right there at the end too, clutch field goal. I think 50 plus yards or 45 plus yards, whatever it was to take a lead. Bama comes down, drives to about midfield and, and gets the long kick to, to end it. Um, Pretty exciting game. Uh, but you know, you talk about a team like Unranked Texas, a guy like Quinn Ewers, who is uh, you know, looked like an absolute dog out there, goes down early with the uh, I believe clavicle injury. I'm not 100 percent sure if we have a final verdict on that. But um he goes out, backup comes in, plays a decent game. Uh, but it was kind of uneventful um towards the end of it, and you see a couple field goals right there to round it out. So, uh yeah, Jake, what you got on this one?
1: Um, I want to start by saying Nick Saban has had to sell his soul to the devil at some point. Um, obviously, throughout his coaching career, I feel like they've fallen into a little bit of good fortune, bad fortune. Uh, I'm going to lean mostly good fortune. Obviously, Alabama is a star-studded team. I don't want to take anything away from them. But um, if Mr. Quinn Ewers did not get hurt at the end of the first quarter, I think that Texas might have won this game by a couple possessions. Uh, that might be a little bit of a bold take from me, but Alabama's offense really did not get ro- rolling until that fourth quarter. And when Quinn Ewers was on the field with Texas, that Texas offense was dynamic. Um, Hudson Card came in after, after Ewers went down with the shoulder injury. And I, I don't want to knock Hudson Card because I, I don't think he played a bad football game. I do think that Texas limited their offense a lot whenever we saw Hudson Card come in. Obviously, Hudson Card was uh, dealing with a little bit of an ankle issue, it seemed like, on the field. He was, he was hobbling around. He was limping around whenever he was playing. And I don't know if they had somebody that they were feeling too comfortable with going to behind him or else I'm sure they would have went to him because he did not look like he was in the best of health on the field. Um, but nonetheless, Alabama did pull out the win like we had talked about. They did show a lot of weaknesses that that kind of made, uh, not made me scared, but, you know, Alabama fans, you should probably be concerned. I'm not trying to be biased right here as a biased Georgia fan. This is, you know, strictly sports talk between me and Kenny. Now we are off the Georgia talk. We are on SEC talk. So. They had some glaring weaknesses. Um, offensive line. Bryce Young was sacked twice. And I want to say he was pressured 11 or 12 times throughout the game. Um, that is, is not a very good thing, especially with the guy of Bryce Young's size. I, I don't know if he's a guy that you want to be taking hits all year long. And it, it's only going to get worse as the season goes on. You start playing some SEC defenses. If, if, that, if that Alabama offensive line can't hold up and give Bryce the time he needs, um, then things could start getting a little ugly. And one thing I've noticed about Bryce Young watching him play, and this is nothing against Bryce Young. He is the best quarterback in college football. Whenever he starts getting pressured, Bryce Young sometimes tries to do a little bit too much with what he has. I saw him make a couple attempts on throws whenever he was getting hit in this game. That if there was, you know, he threw it and there was nobody there, which is lucky. But it, I mean, there's a couple throws where there's a safety lurking back, then the throws would have probably been picked. Um, wide receiver room is bad. Alabama has a terrible wide receiver room like Jermaine Burton. I, I can't stand you because you left Georgia. You are a decent player
2: outside of Jermaine
1: Burton. I, I don't see much from the Alabama wide receiver room. They have Cameron Latu, who did come back this week. That's a positive. Cameron Latu is one of the better tight ends in college football. But I mean, you lose all the guys they lost last year. Going for this year, this is not a you know revamped Alabama offense compared to last year. These are not guys that just come in and replace Jameson Williams like we're so used to seeing. You know, from Alabama year to year, it seems like they always have always have freaks come in and just take these guys' spots. It does not look like that right now for Alabama. Um, defensive backs also did not look very good in this Alabama game. That is also something that whenever you start playing some SEC schools, obviously you play better quarterbacks than Hudson Card again. No offense to Hudson Card. Um you might get torched. Um, again, we talked about this whenever we did our SEC schedule breakdown. You have, ten- you have Tennessee every year, but Tennessee this year, they are a team that can attack you through the air. And if your DBs can't hold up against Tennessee, which is a team we'll talk about in a little bit whenever they, for, for their big win they had this weekend, they can put up points on you quick. And if they put up points on you quick, you might not be able to catch up against that team. Um, last little negative note I have on Alabama, discipline. Fifteen penalties. That is the most Nick a Nick Saban led team has had since he's been at Alabama. That is scary. Um, obviously, you can you can almost chalk it up as a fluky thing, um, but a disciplined football team does not get fifteen penalties no matter what day it is. Like that is not that is one of the worst disciplined things I've I've seen at the college football level, especially under a Nick Nick Saban led team.
0: Yeah, it was just super uncharacteristic for Alabama. We've never really seen <clears throat> Bama look like they did from a disciplinary standpoint. All around weird game, man.
1: It was a very weird game. Uh, obviously, it's Alabama. Um, I'm, I, this is a team that struggled struggled last year a good bit against competitive teams. And that that is one thing that we had we have stressed a little bit. But they did come in and beat Georgia in the SEC championships. I'm I'm not going to write them off as as a team wise because this we, we saw them do it in the past. And it's Nick Saban. So you never write him off. Um, I am curious, though, and I, I don't want to say this a little too early, but I, I am curious to see them play Arkansas, um, another team that we'll probably talk about a little bit later in the podcast, because from what I've seen so far this year,
2: if there's a gap there, I don't think the gap's too big. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. I agree. Um, that, that's it. That's all I have for Bama, though.
0: All right, let's hop into the next game. I don't have too much to say on this one. I'll keep it short from my end. Uh, App State travels to Kyle Field to play the Texas A&M Aggies, six-ranked Aggies. Um, they laid an absolute egg, man. Terrible game. Uh, this Texas A&M offensive line is horrid. Uh, Haynes King played absolutely terrible. Um, they weren't able to run the ball effectively. They couldn't. They obviously couldn't throw the ball effectively, um, and App State ate them up all around the field. 17-14 win for App State. Obviously, the AM defense is good, and the App State offense is good. So um, if you're going to take a plus, if you're an a and fan, listen to this. Defense looks good, but you're not going to be able to win many games if you're only scoring 14 points.
1: Yeah, this is, this is a sad one for the SEC. Um, I feel like this, there's no better time to mention. Uh, I know we usually just talk about SEC, so I'll go ahead and talk about this. Uh, Sunbelt did have a hell of a weekend. <laughs> App State beats Texas A&M. At Texas A&M, Marshall beats Notre Dame. And Georgia Southern beats Nebraska. So the Sun Belt did have a great weekend this weekend. But just solely on the SEC talk, Haynes King has to pick it up. There is no excuse. The guy has one of the lowest QBRs in college football right now. I want to say he's bottom five among starting quarterbacks that have enough pass attempts. One thing I want to circle, and again, this is something we'll talk about a little bit tomorrow. Keep an eye on Max Johnson. And Kenny are both two people that are high on Haynes King. But Texas A&M has a key matchup next week against Miami. And if Haynes King comes out and struggles in that game, they can't afford to let that roll through the whole game. They're going to have to find some way to spark that offense. And there's no better way to spark an offense than try a different quarterback out. If something's not working right now. Um, I do have in my notes, defense is still very, very good. Um, this defense is is probably top tier in college football right now. App state is a team that can put points up on you quick. We saw it in North Carolina game, but the scary thing is we also saw the North Carolina game. They can give up 60 points to North Carolina and Texas A&M came in and scored 14 on them. So it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> Texas A&M is, is a little bit of a mess right now. We talked about it a little bit last week with, with their game they struggle with. Um, and then this week, man, you go out and lose to app state. It is a, not, not a good, not a good sign for Texas A&M right now.
0: No, it is not. Um, Moving into the next game, absolute banger. You got the, at the time, 20th ranked Kentucky traveling into the swamp to take on number 12, Florida. Um, we've talked about Anthony Richardson on the podcast, positive notes, negative notes. Uh, he looked absolutely terrible in this game. Um, Will Lovis came in here and outperformed him in every aspect. Kentucky comes away with a 10-point win, 26-16. Florida drops back in the rankings. Kentucky moves up. Uh, this Kentucky team is pretty interesting. We've talked about them on the podcast before. Where um, they seem to be a team that struggles early on and then kind of gets their bearings about them. Um, and if Kentucky can kind of keep progressing throughout the season, I think they could be a pretty scary matchup for any team in the SEC not named Georgia.
1: Yeah, and in, in the Kentucky era, in the Mark Stoops era, it kind of seems like Kentucky's always been the same team every year. Um, you go in, and anytime you play Kentucky, you know you're going to get a tough fought team. You're going to get a tough fought game. It does not matter who Kentucky plays. Kentucky could play Georgia Southern. They could play UGA. Um, they're going to play the same way no matter who they play. And to be honest, they're not a team that blows out many people. That's not really Kentucky style. Kentucky is a team that doesn't really put up too many points, but they also don't allow too many points. You mentioned it, Anthony Richardson, absolutely awful. And this was a guy that on our last podcast, or not two podcasts ago, I want to say, I hyped up so hard. And, uh, you know, I, I went off my trend of, you know, hating Florida. Not hate. I still hate Florida. But hating on all the Florida players, having nothing positive to say about Florida. So this win right here by Kentucky, you know, gave me a little bit of joy because now I can go right back on that train to saying everything bad about Florida. Anthony Richardson, 14 for 35, 143 yards, zero tuds, two interceptions, and a 3.8 QBR. This is a stat that is scaled from 1 to 100, and he had a 3.8 QBR.
0: Is that Spencer Petras?
1: Is that- <laughs> Spencer Petras has that QBR through, I want to say it's somewhere around there, through two games. That is the saddest thing in the world. This is the second-worst quarterback behind Spencer Petras. I ain't going to put you that low AR. Uh. <laughs> and one key thing that Kentucky did is they did not let Anthony Richardson run the ball. He had four rushing yards. Um, I did talk about this. I am going to kind of save myself a little bit. Last week when I talked about Anthony Richardson, I did say that if you can stop him from running the ball and force him to pass, things could get ugly for him. And that—that that is what happened right here. Um, I do want to mention the guy has a hell of an arm. <laughs> the, only yeah. is, the only problem is he overthrows 40-yard passes by 15 yards. So, <laughs> I mean, if you want to take that as a positive, Florida fans, uh, your quarterback can throw a football 70 yards. But, you know, whenever you're running a, you know, a 10-yard hitch and he's throwing the ball 30 yards downfield, it's probably not a good sign for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's got an absolute cannon. The only thing about that is he has the same accuracy as an actual cannon. Exactly. On the side, on the side of a pirate ship in the middle of the ocean going through a tsunami, trying, yes. to, hit, trying to hit a, a pin-sized target on the other side of the sea. Anthony Richardson, man, it was ugly.
1: It was very, very bad. And, and, and the sad thing is Florida came out hot. Like Florida, Florida came out the gate hot. Like there were there was moments early on in this game where I thought that I was getting a little nervous. I was like, okay, Florida might Florida might mop the floors with these guys. And I want to say that a pretty key turnover near the near halftime, and Kentucky was able to capitalize with some points. And after that, it was it was over. Kentucky just you know I'm not going to say they rolled with it because obviously it was only a 26 to 16 game. It was still just a two possession game. But at that point, whenever Kentucky started to score and AR started to really struggle, watching the game. You realize, okay, this game is over. Like they, they do not have a chance. One thing I do want to mention about Kentucky. I feel like I've been all about Florida this 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 go around. Uh Kavassier Smoke did get Kentucky's uh rushing attack going. Um, after I talked about it last week, they had a really, really slow week one. It was a little bit concerning. Obviously, Chris Rodriguez is still not playing, they're still trying to figure his issue out. But Kavassier Smoke is a guy that obviously Kentucky fans were real high on. I remember whenever Georgia played him last year, they were all saying, Oh, everybody's talking about Chris Rodriguez. We have this guy named Kivasier Smoke who is just as good. And he, he looked great in this game. So that, that was one really, really positive I saw from Kentucky.
0: No, yeah. And K- Kentucky, man, they're an interesting team. I think uh, we'll see a little bit more from them as time goes on. I think they'll do nothing but get better.
1: I do, too. I think under Mark Stoops, he's one of the better coaches in college football. I think, they, I think the sky's the limit. Uh, I don't know if they'll hit that upside. I, their recruiting is one thing that – I know recruiting, we talk about stars and stuff. That stuff doesn't really matter but it does to the extent of having pure talent on the field. And I, I don't know if Kentucky will ever get to that level of just being able to bring in pure talent, like teams like Georgia and stuff. But when it comes to competing with teams like Florida and Tennessee and stuff, I, I do see them, you know, being close to that upper echelon year after year.
0: Yep. Yep. Well said. Um, That'll carry us into the next game. Uh, a Relatively uneventful mm-hmm. game. Got a little exciting towards the middle of third quarter, but uh, ended up coming out ahead. For the, at the time, 16-ranked Arkansas. Uh, South Carolina travels into Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks. Arkansas comes out with a 14-point win, 44-30. to 30. Um, Not too much to talk about in this game for me. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, uh, we've known he's good. He still looks good. Um, Spencer Rattler, uh, not the most efficient game. Comes out there, throws for uh, near 400 yards. Um, this shows me that uh, at the beginning of the season, when we talked about our previews for the SEC we talked about defensive breakdowns and, and what we thought were strengths and weaknesses for each team. And for Arkansas, we mentioned good D-line, good linebacking core, bad uh, defensive backfield, and uh, you let a guy like Spencer Rattler come out there and, and kind of not dice you up but, but sling the ball around. Um, it seems to me that this Arkansas uh, DB group uh, needs to improve uh, pretty significantly because that is definitely a weak weakness for them. But nonetheless, come out with a 14-point win. They tried to let South Carolina come back in it a little bit and uh, ended up pulling away. Um, so, yeah, Arkansas wins and covers against a, uh, a pretty bad South Carolina team from what we've seen so far.
2: Yeah, I
1: agree. Uh, obviously, like you had mentioned, K.J. Jefferson is still one of the best quarterbacks in college football. There's no debate about it. Um, he only had to throw the ball 21 times in this game, 18 for 21. Obviously, super efficient like he always is, 161, 162 yards in one tod. Um, but Arkansas did their damage on the ground, 206, 295 rushing yards, uh, 65 carries And the way that Arkansas won this game is they ruled type of possession, man. They had, they had the ball 66% of the game. And if you do that, it, it's, it's tough for the other team to be able to win. Like you had mentioned, they did come, uh, South Carolina did come back, fight a little bit in the third quarter, but at the end of the day, Arkansas is just a lot better football team. They have a lot better football players. Um, Radley didn't have the worst game. But, I mean, three turnovers for South Carolina is, is kind of the killer right there. So, you know, obviously we're talking about a team that we, we get to look forward to next week. Um, but Arkansas, Arkansas is just keeps on improving and they look good. You know, this game could have got ugly. And if it would have got ugly, um, I'd be talking a lot more highly about Arkansas. And I already think I already think really highly about Arkansas. So, you know, I, I don't have much to take away from this either. Uh, I, I think that the score is a little bit closer than what the game actually was.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um and that'll bring us into the last quality game of the week for the SEC. Uh one of the best ones we got to see. This is uh Tennessee traveling to Acrocher to take on the Pitt Panthers. Um Tennessee pulls us out on an overtime win. Hooker continues to shine, man. He's a good player. Uh we've been on him early. Uh absolute stud. This Tennessee offense can get the get the ball moving through the air. And uh they, they didn't slow up at all against this pit team. Pitts a good team. 17th ranked team in the nation. Um Keaton Slovis obviously is a good quarterback. We've seen some good play out of him. Um so this was a pretty, pretty fun game. 34-27 win for Tennessee in overtime.
1: Yeah, man. The Volunteers look good. Uh Hendon Hooker, like you mentioned, he he is awesome. 27 for 42, 325 through the air, two tuds, an 82 and 82.5 QBR. Um, but he is not that without Mister Cedric Tillman. Cedric Tillman might be one of the best. Why I'm not even gonna say might be. He is one of the best wide receivers in college football. This guy is dangerous, man. This I mean, he went out there nine receptions, 162 yards a tud. Um, throughout the season. 15 receptions, 230 yards. Like this guy is is an absolute beast. I want to say going into the year, last year to end the season, he had like six straight games with the touchdown. So. Make sure you keep your eye on that kid. That kid is going to be an absolute beast in the league one day. Um, they didn't do too much on the ground, but, you know, this game was tough fought throughout the games. So, and Tennessee's strong point is their their air attack. So I, I didn't really figure they would try to rush the ball too much. Pittsburgh did keep Hinton Hooker contained on the ground. He's a guy that can kind of get on the ground and run a little bit. And Pittsburgh did a good job not letting that happen. And their defense did look a little shaky at times. But whenever we talk about a team like Tennessee, we're not talking about their defense. Their defense is not their strong point. Their strong point is being able to put up points. And I was impressed with Tennessee to come out and beat Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, anytime you get a top 25 win, especially when you're Tennessee and you're a team that has been on the rise, you went from unranked. And I, I don't know what their ranking is currently. I, I think they made it in the top 20 after that win. I'm, I'm assuming so. Um, anytime, you can, anytime you could beat it, they're 15th right now. So they went from unranked to 15th in two weeks. Um anytime you can point a win against a ranked team like that, it, it's a huge win for Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and one thing I'll say about Tennessee to point out a little weakness. Uh that rush the defense is pretty bad. Um they give up. Uh and you, you mentioned they contain Hindenhooker, Hooker, did a really good job of that. But between the tackles, they struggle in the run game. Um, so I'm I'm looking at that moving forward. I want to keep my eye on that as the season progresses.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not gonna try to butcher this guy's name, Pittsburgh's running back Israel. I've i I've watched both of their games so far, and I still don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. I'm sorry. But he's a guy that couldn't really run the ball against West Virginia two weeks ago. So for him to go out there and have the game he had against Tennessee is concerning, I will say. Because <laughs> Pittsburgh did not have much of rushing attack in week one, and then they go out week two, and they put 141 up. Uh, obviously, there are some stats that are kind of, like, their average is is 3.6 yards per carry as a team, but there's... You know they had Slovis in there for minus
2: for negative thirteen yards, but you know Abana Abanaconda, I'm I'm a roll with that. Average six two six point two yards per carry with twenty five attempts. So <laughs> they ran the ball all over Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and um, I don't know, man. We'll we'll see it. Uh, it it's. Obviously, we're we're not looking ahead here, but the Tennessee Georgia matchup is always an exciting one. So I'm curious to see how we uh, go about that game from an offensive standpoint. But um, let's talk about some of the. Uh, we'll just kind of run through these and talk about the rest of the SEC slate. Jake, you just interrupt me, hop in if you got anything to say, and I'll just kind of rip through these a little bit. Okay. Um, we got Central Arkansas at Ole Miss. Ole Miss comes out with a 56 point win. Um, nothing, nothing surprising there. Um, I'll say one thing about this. Uh, 23-ranked Wake Forest travels to Nashville to take on Bandy. Uh, The Mike Wright hype train has been derailed, unfortunately. It was a good run. We love you, Mike. Um, And Sam Hartman's all the way back.
1: Yeah, Sam Hartman is back. Dude is a stud.
0: He did not forget how to play football, 300 yards and four touchdowns. This is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Do not get it twisted. Um, Had a a health scare and is back on the field and playing like he never left it. Um, Missouri travels to Kansas to take on Kansas State um, and gets absolutely embarrassed, a 40-12 win. For Kansas State, uh, Brady Cook did not look good. Deuce Vaughn looked very good. Deuce Vaughn is one of the best running backs in college football. Uh, this Missouri team is a team that really impressed me. I mentioned them last week. I actually picked them to cover this game, and they did not come anywhere close. Uh, so shout out Kansas State. I don't think I gave them enough credit. They might be a pretty good football team.
1: Yeah, yeah, their their defense looked crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Then we get into uh, a few cupcake games here. Uh, San Jose State travels to Jordan here to take on the Auburn Tigers. Auburn takes a 24-16 win there. Uh, A 24-16 win here for Auburn is not impressive. Uh, That's not anything to do with San Jose State. That Auburn team is bad, y'all. They're real bad. Yeah, if you're Um,
1: an SEC school and you're starting quarterbacks, TJ Finley, uh, good luck, Buds. I'm sorry to say it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was an ugly one. Um, Then you got Southern. Traveling to Baton Rouge, take on the Tigers and LSU. Um, LSU comes out 65-17 win there. Nothing surprising. Um, And then we got Mississippi State uh, traveling to take on Arizona. Comes out with a pretty handed win there, 39-17 for the Bulldogs. Will Rogers continues to impress uh, against a bad Arizona team here.
1: Yeah, Will Rogers. We talk about the efficiency numbers going into the season. 39 for 49 with 313 and 4 touchdowns. This dude, yeah. this dude throws the ball fifty times and completes forty. It's it's pretty insane.
0: Yeah, he's nuts, man. Really, really good player. Um, and yeah, that wraps up SEC slate for week two. Um, next episode we'll dive into week three, talk about some projections, uh, some predictions uh, from our standpoint, what we think. Obviously, new AP poll came out. Top four remain the same. Just a little bit of a mix up. Georgia at one, Bama two, Ohio State three, and Michigan four. Okay. All right, so um, Jake, you want to talk a little pro ball? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get into some pro ball. Uh, one
1: second. You want me to kick it off with Falcons since, since this is this is a Georgia podcast. We'll talk about the Falcons, even though even though it, it it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster, just like watching the game was. Uh,
2: let me go ahead and say, if I was to tell you, one sec, I'm trying to get my my mouse my my mouse scroller on it with 14 minutes. In 18 seconds left, in the fourth
1: quarter, the Falcons had a 98% chance to win, and we somehow lose the game.
2: Would you believe it, Falcons fans? Because I would. If you, say, if you say no, you're lying. This is the story of the Falcons,
1: and I want to let you know, Falcons fans out there that hated Matt Ryan, now that Matt Ryan is gone, this is not going to end. We are cursed. The Atlanta Falcons are a cursed franchise. And it was it was a bad look. But outside of blowing a lead, if I was to tell you that we lost to the Saints by one point, I would not be too upset as a Falcons fan. If it was a consistent fight the whole game, I would not be upset at all. The Falcons actually came out here and impressed me. I think the Falcons played relatively good football for the first three quarters. Marcus Mariota looked decent. 20 for 33, uh, 215 through the air. No tuts, no interceptions uh, with a 57.9 QBR. But the superstar of the game was Cordero Patterson. Um, Obviously, um, Mr. Tyler Algier was a pretty interesting scratch in the game. He was inactive, which I I don't really know what's going on with him, but it it, it surprised me a lot. And Damian Williams went down really early with with an injury. So at that point, the Falcons only had two active running backs on the squad with Cordero Patterson and Avery Williams. Cordell Patterson was an absolute workhorse, and whenever he got the ball in his hands, he did work. 22 carries, 120 yards in a tut. I would have never expected that, because he's not really your true runner if you look at him as, you know, in the past, what, we, what we've seen from him. This dude lowers his head and runs like he is a bowling ball, and it's awesome to see. Like, to be his age and still be able to do what he does, obviously, he does, probably doesn't have as much You know, wear on his tires as as most of these guys around his age because he was a kick return, punt return specialist for so many years before he actually got this gig with Atlanta. Dude is a beast. Uh, Mariota also did some work on the ground, 12 carries, uh, 72 yards. I do want to mention that the pass protection looked very, very good in this game, and that was a surprising thing for Falcons fans. Um, One thing I want to circle, Caleb McGarry actually had a very good game at that right tackle spot. And that is a guy that we have been watching because obviously we declined his uh fifth year option. So, you know, the McGarry, the McGarry hype train is is it it was rolling and it it wasn't not so much rolling, but I guess you can say it's rolling now. Also, I want to mention the Falcons recorded four sacks in this game. So I don't think we got a very good pass rush grade. Uh obviously Grady Jarrett had one and a half with Lorenzo Carter helping him on on one of them. Um Arnold Abbachetti did was able to get his first career sack, which which was awesome. The Penn State rookie is uh Looking pretty decent. It was more of a coverage sack. Uh Jameis kind of sat in the pocket for, for a little bit too long. And then Michael Walker, a guy that I think a lot of Falcons fans are really high on to see take over, take over one of them linebacker spots. He also recorded a sack. Um, back to the offensive side of things. Uh, Drake London, first career game, five catches for 74 yards. He looked really, really good. Kyle Pitts wasn't really much of a factor, which is an interesting thing. Only two catches for 19 yards. They did a good job keeping him in check. Um, the turnovers kind of killed us a little bit. Mariota had a pretty big fumble in the red zone that, that hurt, and then Zacchaeus also had a pretty big fumble that we we, both, we lost both of them. Um, There's no interceptions thrown in this game, so that's a pretty key thing. James Winston on the other side of the field, you would like to get one. Uh, some of the safeties made some good plays with Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins. I think they both really, really look good. And
2: I do want to mention, AJ Terrell did not look great. Um, I don't want to knock him too bad, though, because in the fourth
1: quarter, I feel like that's where we saw most of the plays happening. And Jameis and Michael Thomas had a had a link at that point. And whenever he was throwing the ball downfield, it was connecting. Um, Jarvis Landry went crazy. 114 on us. I saw a play in the fourth quarter whenever I don't want to say it was Casey Hayward covering Jarvis Landry. And I don't know what Casey Hayward was thinking. You would think that a veteran would would probably make a better play on that. It was a a play near the sideline late in the game, and uh, Jarvis got a contested ball, and it seemed like it wasn't even contested when it should have been contested. So Casey Hayward didn't really look good, and it it was just a sad moment. We did have a little bit of excitement near the end. Uh, We lined up to kick a potential 64-yard game-winning field goal with Young-Way Koo, and the Saints blocked the damn field goal. I was on my feet like crouched over watching the TV, so excited to see a
2: 64-yard attempt to win the game, and they blocked the damn field goal. That was the worst, worst moment I've had. I was so upset. I
0: think you did a really good job of covering this. Um, Thank you. Yeah, well, you kind of highlighted everything for me. I'll touch on my thoughts. I thought Marcus Mariota looked really good. I was very excited to see a, uh, a good rushing attack from him. Obviously, Cordero, MVP of the game. And uh, my shining star of this was Drake London, man. 74 yards, uh, he looked good. Uh, Kyle Pitts also looked good. Only got two catches, but looked good uh, out there on the field. Blocked yep. pretty well as well, um, I, I will say. Um, but yeah, man, just a, a overall a, a deflating loss against a team you expect to lose to in the New Orleans Saints. But, uh, you know, we got bad blood with this team. We don't like the Saints. It's division rivalry, and uh, you, you always want to win these games. And you mentioned it, the way, the way it goes out ending on a block field goal is just super anticlimactic. And uh, it it, deflating, I think, is the right word for this.
1: Yes, it it was very deflating. Obviously, a lot of Falcons fans out there were not high on the Falcons. Uh, Me and Kenny, though, obviously, the way that we talk about most sports teams in in the Georgia area, we were higher than most, I would say. I I don't think that neither me or Kenny thought that this team was as bad as what a lot of people were saying they were going to be. And they didn't look it. Like, honestly, the Falcons team did not look bad. And I am really, really curious to look ahead to next week when we face off against the Rams going over to L.A. That's going to be a really fun one because it's going to get, be a little bit of a test both sides. Me and Kenny are just football fans in general, so we kind of want to see what the Rams are like really, too. So, I mean, we're, we're looking forward. Uh, we'll cover that more a little bit tomorrow, though.
0: All right. want to hop into uh, and go through the rest of these games week one?
1: Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll start off. Um, Let's start off with Buffalo, Los Angeles after the Falcons. Obviously, that was a Thursday night matchup. And just now talking about the Rams, the Rams played an absolute stinker against Buffalo. And I don't want to even say that too much because I, I think this Buffalo team, <laughs> this buff, I- I'm not even going to say I think because I think the majority of people think it, this Buffalo team is awesome. This Buffalo team is great defensively. They're great offensively. The- this team is going to be one of the most unstoppable teams in football this year. I believe it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right there. This Buffalo team is scary. Uh, This game, uh, there were some sloppy aspects from both teams. Obviously, a lot of turnovers, five interceptions between the two quarterbacks, two from Josh Allen, three from Matthew Stafford. But don't get it mixed. Josh Allen looked amazing, 300 yards. He led the team in passing, led the team in rushing. And Stephon Diggs, man, this guy's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. You can make a case to put him at one if you wanted to, and I wouldn't bash you too bad. Um, Stephon Diggs, absolute stud. Cooper Cup. Obviously, 13 receptions, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Matt Ryan didn't have the greatest – or Matt Ryan. Matthew Stafford didn't have the greatest game ever. Um, It looked kind of sloppy out there. The Rams' offensive line looked really, really, really bad. And I know Buffalo's defense is good. They got a good pass rush. They have an amazing secondary, even with Trey White out. Um – But, yeah, this game, uh, it was exciting. First game of the NFL season, obviously. So we were pumped to see it. And, um, you know, the Bills, Super Bowl favorites, taking on the Super Bowl champs, came out there and and win by three scores. So that's a big, uh, big, big uh, league season kicker offer for Buffalo there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: I do want to mention Josh Allen's interceptions. They were kind of – I'm not going to say they're fluky. Uh, One of them came off a terrible play by by Georgia Bulldog legend uh, Isaiah McKenzie. He had the ball in his hands linebacker came and just like swarmed him obviously McKenzie's not a very big guy and he just got overpowered and got the ball ripped right out of his hands as soon as he as soon as he had the ball in his hands um and then the other one came from Troy Hill Troy Hill is a really good player and he jumped the hell out of a route and absolutely snagged one uh I do want to mention Allen did kind of have a, did kind of get him back a little bit cuz uh, he he did kind of stiff arm the hell out of him on the sideline I don't know if that happened before or after the interception I wasn't really paying attention to that too much I do know Troy Hill was on the wrong side of the receiving end of that stiff arm so that 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 was one of one of my favorite things uh i was interested to see though i'm gonna mention this for my fantasy point daryl henderson is the rams number one running back so mr cam akers sorry about it bud uh you have some issues that they're saying they're saying you got to be a little bit more intrigued in the game and until then you are going to be riding the bench cam akers is a guy that i know a lot of people were high on in fantasy he tore his achilles or tore his acl last year I'm to say preseason, came back in the playoffs, did not look stellar. And I, he does not quite have that number one job yet. I don't know if that's going to stay like that. I think that a lot of people around the league
2: think Cam Akers has a ton of potential. So we'll see how that how that road goes going in the future.
0: All right, let's talk about the next game on my board. I've got uh, the 49ers
2: and the Bears. OK, 49ers uh- and
1: Bears. Nice.
0: This game was kind of a stinker as well. Um, a weird game. We don't have to go crazy in depth. Uh, it was an absolute monsoon in Chicago. Field was flooded. Winds were blowing. Water pouring in. Both Neither quarterback looked great. Justin Fields did outperform Trey Lance. Um, but this is a hard game to grade quarterbacks on, y'all. I mean, it was the worst conditions possible to throw the ball. Um, and both teams were actually pretty effective at running the ball. Just the fields looked good on the ground. Khalil Herbert looked good. David Montgomery. Um, it didn't do so good in the, in the rush game, but the pass game looked pretty decent. And then, uh, San Francisco, obviously they have a, an elite rushing attack and they looked like it in this game. Um, but, Bears come out 19 to 10 win. It's a big staple win for them in week one against a San Francisco team that a lot of people are high on. So um, I, I don't want to do too much analysis into this one as the conditions were just really, really bad. Um, so I feel like we really don't know what we're going to get from either of these teams yet.
2: No, I agree 100%.
1: Uh, like you had mentioned, it, it's really hard to judge a quarterback in this game. Obviously, this is kind of a standout. I'm not going to say it was a standout performance for Justin Fields, but I feel like this game did get, kind of get a lot of, uh, kind of get a lot of, publicity out there and obviously NFL they made their uh header on Twitter the picture of Justin Fields sliding in the water at the end of the game one of the coolest celebrations I've seen at the end of a game just seeing like the camera angle they had on all the players were sliding like it was a water slide they were hitting the ground and sliding 10 yards it was crazy um yeah we can't really take away too much from this game uh I did like what I did what I saw from Fields whenever he did throw the ball this was probably one of his better games I want to say at the pro level and he was rocking two gloves, so we love to see it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, next game, I got Steelers and Bengals.
1: Steelers, Bengals, all right.
0: This game was an absolute banger, man. Um, it was a weird... The quarterback matchup went a little bit differently than you would have expected. <laughs> um, yeah. Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky looked pretty good out there. Um. 21 for 38, 194 yards in the tub, no turnovers. Um, Obviously, it's not super flashy, but you go up against uh, Joe Burrow, who played, you know, racked up some numbers, but uh, probably one of the worst games in his career we've seen so far. He threw four interceptions. A couple of those were really, really bad throws. I'm not really sure what the deal was there, Um, but I'm going to write it off to an extent because Joe Burrow's a guy, and we all know he's a guy. Um, but Joe Burrow, 33 for 53, 338, uh, two tuds, four interceptions. Well, sacked seven times. That offensive line is still bad. And the Steelers' offensive line looked really good, only allowing one sack. Um, neither team looked amazing on the ground, but in a game like this, you're not. I mean, when you're this Bengals team, when you throw four interceptions, you don't really have the ability to work your run game in too much. But Joe Mixon looked really good. Um, Joe Burrow ran the ball around a little bit. Najee Harris underperformed a little bit for the Steelers. And uh, receiving, man, Jamar Chase. Uh, this guy is a stud. We know it. We saw it last year. Came in 10 receptions, 129 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, on the Steelers' side, uh, Pat Fryermuth. Um, This guy's kind of worked his way into top 10 tight end in the league. Um, and uh, came in five receptions for 75 yards. A long of 31. He looks really, really, really good um george pickens only records one catch in the game um but you know we love to see dogs in the league so um both of these defenses looked good um to an extent uh the Steelers defense obviously is always very good and uh this game was pretty exciting the Steelers come out uh with a field goal i believe as time expired to take the win in ot yeah
1: uh i do want to mention that evan McPherson did have a chance to end this game in overtime and I'm not going to put it on him because it was it was a little bit of a sloppy hold by the holder. It kind of seemed like it messed it up. Obviously, he didn't really get the laces out like you want. I, I was listening to the Pat McPhee show. They were talking about this uh, shout out Pat McPhee, and he was explaining the whole purpose of having the laces out. Obviously, a ball is seamed where the laces are. So the ball has a little bit more give where the laces are. Just that little bit more give kind of makes it work like a slingshot. So if you're like a if you kick with your right foot and you kick it in it slingshots off your foot, you're most likely going to pull the ball. And that's kind of like what it's what it seemed like happened on McPherson's game winning attempt. Um, Talk about the game, though. You're right. Uh, This this Pittsburgh defense is good. There's not a doubt about it. Um, They are going to lose Mr. T.J. Watt for, I I believe, six weeks right now. Um, That's a pretty key loss. But I I honestly don't think this defense is going to take a super step back. We're still talking about a defense that has Miles Jack, Terrell Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush, like this Cameron Hayward, this defense is still star studded. This defense looks great. Um, Najee Harris didn't have the greatest game. I, I do want to say that he did get a little bit banged up in this game, too. Um, talking about the Bengals, Joe Burrow got absolutely killed in this game. And obviously, a guy that's coming off a little bit of health issues this offseason, had had a pretty short training camp. This Steelers' defense was not the easiest first matchup. I'm sure that me and you both expect Joe Burrow to continue this season, you know, get a little bit more comfortable facing a little bit easier defensive opponents and get things rolling a little bit better. Cause he, he is definitely a guy and you know, the whole world is excited to see him. T Higgins is also a guy that had a concussion pretty early on. So, you know, this, this team, this Bengals team may start the season. Oh, and one, but I, I expect them to be, you know, a playoff contender come year end.
0: No, absolutely. Um, all right, let's head into the Eagles game. We got Philadelphia traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions, America's team this year. Um, Jalen hurts. Uh, Looked really, really good, man. The efficiency wasn't outstanding, but he looked good in the air. He looked good on the ground. 90 yards rushing and a touchdown, 243 through the air. Um, Sacked only one time. Jared Goff sacked also only one time. So both offensive lines produced. Um, Jared Goff, 21 of 37, 215, two tuds and interception. Um, uh, This was a pretty exciting game, a high-scoring game, a a game that – I don't think a lot of people expected to be super high scoring. And obviously the Eagles didn't cover. That was one of our picks. We had them at six and a half, I believe, in this game. Um, Miles Sanders looked good. DeAndre Swift was the best running back in the NFL week one. Uh, 15 carries for 144 yards and a touchdown, 9.6 yards per carry. Um, this guy is an absolute dog, literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> and we love to see guys like that do well in the league. Um, A.J. Brown, first game as an Eagle Dude, monster.
1: Yeah, absolute beast.
0: 155 yards through the air. Dude is a stud. Um, And then also on the line side of the ball, Amon Ross St. Brown led the team in yards. Uh, DeAndre Swift also up there, 31 receiving yards. So uh, pretty, pretty cool game here. Um, We got to see some dogs play, and uh, we got to see a pretty eventful game here. High scoring and exciting.
1: Yeah, Jalen Hurts is a guy to me that I, I would almost want to say look out for for a sleeper MVP, MVP pick early on in the season. Because whenever you watch Jalen Hurts play, obviously we saw him play a little bit last year in the playoffs and it, it was not great. But him having A.J. Brown, this almost seemed like a different Jalen Hurts on the field. Him and A.J. Brown had such a great connection going into the first game. It was it was absolutely insane. And this this Eagles team looked Phenomenal. Obviously, the Lions scored 14 unanswered in the fourth quarter to kind of kind of make this game a little bit more competitive than what what it looked like going you know most of the way through. They they almost made a comeback on them, but man, this Eagles team is going to be going to be really really good this year, I believe. Uh, talking about the Lions, Jared Goff. We kind of know what we're going to get from Jared Goff at this point. Jared Goff's a decent quarterback. He's he's not he's he's really kind of a quarterback. Not going to win you too many games. He's probably not going to lose you too many games either. And I do think this Lions offense is 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 decent. Uh, we talk about DeAndre Swift. We talk about Jamal Williams at the running backs. Those are two good guys, a good little two headed monster. You have the power guy, you have the finesse guy, and then you go to the wide receiver core. You talk about Amon Ross, St. Brown. This dude is a beast. He is he had, he broke out last year, and I, I expect him to continue that this year. DJ Chark is is a big offseason acquisition that even I forgot about before I even watched the game. So he's he's a good target to have on the other side of Amon Ross, St. Brown. And TJ Hawkinson's probably a top ten tight end in football. So. You look at it, Jared Goff has some weapons to go to, and, and this offense is probably going to be able to put up some points because, you know, that Philadelphia defense, it, it, it's not bad. Like, Philadelphia has a solid defense.
0: Yeah, that, that Philly defense is really good, and it's a defense that's a little bit slept on. Obviously, N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, love to see dogs in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, uh, pretty interesting game there.
2: All right, well, that, that's it up for the Eagles, Eagles-Lions for me.
0: All right, let's head into a little bit of a a less interesting game here. We got the Patriots traveling down to Miami to take on the Dolphins and got their butts whooped. Um, Mac Jones looked horrible, uh, a 9.7 QBR in this game. Um, The Patriots really didn't do anything good in this game. They couldn't protect Mac Jones. They couldn't run block. They could not effectively run the ball. Damian Harris was the star of the game with nine carries and 48 yards. Um, Not too much to say from the Patriots' side. Uh, The Patriots' defense... Uh, it, this is not the Patriots defense we've seen in the past. Um, now they do get after the quarterback a little bit. But that's pretty much their strong suit, man. The, the defensive backfield has been depleted. The linebacking core has been depleted. And um, Tua. Tua Tugavailoa. Looked amazing in this game. He looked really, really good, y'all. This looked like Alabama. Tua. A lot of people have tried, have tried, and tried again to write Tua off. I have been a guy that has, you know, kind of dug my feet in the sand and said, "Hey, let's, let's let this guy play out a little bit. Let's give him a fair shot. See what happens." They build the team around him a little bit. You bring in a guy like Mike McDaniel's, who obviously had some. Ridiculous success with the 49ers. He's an offensive wizard. He comes in here, builds a team around Tua. Uh, Tua is team captain, and he comes in here and impresses. Man, 23 for 33, 270, and a touchdown. 78 QBR and a 104 passer rating. Um, hell of a game by Tua here. Uh, Tyree Kill comes in in his first game as a Dolphin. Eight receptions for 94 yards, no touchdowns. Um, and then Jalen Waddle, four receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that we're expecting this to be a pretty heavy one-two punch for this Miami Dolphins team. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is one of the best receivers in the NFL. You don't expect anything less from him. Uh, but the defense looks very, very good. And this Dolphins defense has been good for a while. And it looks like we're going to uh, get to see this team keep it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, I
1: don't have too much to talk about with this one. Uh, I- I'm going to keep it short on the Patriots side of things. The Patriots are bad. I, I think the Patriots are, are, are a very bad football team. Um, your number one wide receiver is Jacoby Myers. And this is nothing against Jacoby Myers. But to me, Jacoby Myers is not a number one. Jacoby Myers could possibly be a solid number two elsewhere. And Mac Jones did not look great. Uh, It's kind of a fearful thing. Defense was not spectacular. Um, I I do want to say that I think they have a lot of potential in the rushing side of things. Um, We talked about a team that has Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson as a a one-two punch. I do think that those are two pretty dynamic running backs, and I think they could do a little bit of damage. But I don't think I think the only way the Patriots win games this year is if it's low scoring affairs and they just happen to come out on top. I don't see them putting up a ton of points throughout the season. Um, talking about the Dolphins, uh, I think you pretty much cover the Dolphins great. We talk about a team that probably has one of the most, one of the best all-around offenses uh, in football. I know they only put up 20 points in this game, but we talk about firepower. Chase, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Moster in the backfield, and you get to throw the ball up to Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Mike Gisecki. Like This team is going to be good. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be Buffalo's level or be able to compete in that division, but I do expect this team to be able to compete for a wild-card spot and, and possibly make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I agree 100% there. Um, All right, that brings us into another uneventful game. we got the Baltimore Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York Jets. Uh, Not too much on this game as uh, neither team really had anybody shining. Um, Obviously, player of the game here is Lamar Jackson. 17 for 30, 213, three touchdowns and interception with a uh, 98 uh, passer rating in this game. Um, You don't really expect anything less from a former MVP. Lamar Jackson's a great quarterback and a great player. Obviously, a freak athlete. Doesn't get enough credit for his decision making. Um, he's been very efficient in the past. Not the most efficient game from him um, I- from a passing aspect, but nonetheless, uh, three touchdowns and takes a pretty single handed win here, twenty four nine against a Joe Flacco led Jets team.
1: Yeah, this 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 was a stinker. I'm not gonna say that it's a stinker because the teams that like because the Ravens, but. The Jets are a bad football team. Uh, we talked about it beforehand. Uh, they have a lot of potential going forward, but they have a lot of rookies. So that, that usually rookies in the NFL are not good. You don't see most rookies you might be excited about, but for the most part, they're not very good football players. Uh, I want to say the MVP of this game is Lamar Jackson. But then again, the ice in the locker room that they had to put on Joe Flacco's sh- shoulder after the game was, was probably the most important thing. Dude threw the ball 59 times. Fifty nine times. Joe Flacco is not of the age to be throwing the ball. Fifty nine times. Jets like y'all have Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Let them run. They are young. They yeah. both can run and they had 16 carries combined. You let Joe throw the ball. Fifty nine times. Um, I'm not going to talk anything about the Jets. They they didn't impress me. Corey Davis had a good game. Uh, outside of that, they, they didn't look great. Brees Hall did not have the workload that I think a lot of people were expecting to see. Michael Carter took over. It seemed like he was definitely the number one running back in that game. He had a decent game. Sixty yards on the ground. But the Ravens, uh, I, I did catch a little bit of this game. Obviously, during this time point, uh, I switched back and forth between Falcons and Red Zone. So so I can catch a little bit of every game. So I, I'm not consistently just watching the game as it goes. But whenever I did see the Lamar Jackson stuff come up, obviously on red zone, he, he was he was looking pretty good. Um I do think this Ravens team is going to get quite a boost when Mr. J.K. Dobbins comes back, because then you can kind of use him and Kenyon Drake as a one-two punch, which is which is a solid one-two punch in the league. And this wide receiver core, I mean, it's, it's not great on paper, but when we talk about a guy like Rashad Bateman, this is a guy that me and Kenny both are really, really high on. And we talk about a guy like Demarcus Robinson, who is obviously playing coming from Kansas City. And, you know, he, he, was, a, he was a decent little player in Kansas City in that deep wide receiver room. And, you know, if he gets a little bit bigger of a role in, in Baltimore, I think he could be a dynamic player. Devin Duvernay went out and, and had two tuts, so pretty big thing. Uh, but like you said, this was just a blowout, and it,
2: it wasn't really a... Super fun game to keep your eyes on throughout.
0: Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. All right, that brings us into uh, another game that was an absolute banger. This is uh, Jacksonville Jaguars take on the Washington Commanders. Uh, Obviously, first Commanders appearance for Carson Wentz with his new team. Um, And uh, sophomore season for Trevor Lawrence. Um, Sophomore slash rookie season, I'll say. I don't know how much of a uh, winning opportunity he got last year with that head coach down there in Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, Urban Meyer is gone. They bring in Doug Peterson, who is a, a very good coach, Super Bowl winning coach. Um, Trevor Lawrence played a pretty good game here. A little bit more production that we've got to see from him in the past. Obviously, not the most efficient game, uh, but nonetheless, uh, some some pretty solid production from him. 24-42, for 42, 275 touchdown and interception, 75 passer rating. Um, and Carson Wentz came in here and, and looked really good, man. Uh, threw a couple picks. But uh, 27 for 41, 313, four tuds, two interceptions, like I just mentioned. Um, 46 QBR, but a one-on-one passer rating. Um, we got to see some burn from Antonio Gibson, which we weren't sure we were going to see. 4.1 yards per carry, 58 yards on the ground. And James Robinson, man, um, this guy's been one of the best running backs in the league for a couple years now. Came in late-round draft pick. Uh, might even He might have even been undrafted. I cannot remember. I don't um, remember that either. Nonetheless, uh, not a super highly touted prospect coming out of college and uh, comes in and impresses 11 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. Travis Etienne also looked very, very good. Um, Player of the game for me, uh, Christian Kirk. Six receptions, 117 yards, 19.5 average. He was targeted 12 times, had a long of 49 yards. Um, Christian Kirk's a guy that came in here, got his big contract and free agency to sign with the Jags, that everyone said he was overpaid. Um, so he's a guy coming out here trying to earn that contract a little bit. Uh the commanders do take the win here, 28-22 in a pretty eventful game. It was back and forth for the most part the entire game. And um Trevor gets caught trying to do a little bit too much at the end, little scramble to his left, throw towards the sidelines, gets caught little toe tap or interception to close it out. Um But uh I I don't I'm not high on either one of these teams. I don't think either one of these teams are gonna be very good. But uh, these are two quarterbacks that I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of Trevor Lawrence. I'm also a fan of Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz gets some unnecessary hate. So I'm excited to see what these guys can do throughout the season. And, uh, you know, you got to be optimistic if you're a Jags fan or a Commanders fan to look at these uh, two quarterbacks and, and see what you got as the season unfolds.
1: Yeah, this, this game to me was, was a game that was, was a pretty close matchup between the two teams. I don't think that either, either of these teams are going to be very competitive in the long term of things this year. But whenever you get these games, they're usually pretty fun to just keep your eye on a watch. Uh, like you mentioned, Trevor Lawrence came out, looked pretty good. Uh Carson Wentz came out, looked fantasy-wise good. I mean, whenever you're talking about me and my aspect in the fantasy football world, he was definitely a, a move I was looking at. Like, okay, am I, am I gonna roll with Carson? Uh, I just want to put it out there. Me and Kenny made a trade. Kenny took Tom Brady from me. I took Matthew Stafford and Keenan Allen from him. I don't know how confident I am with Stafford. Obviously, he's coming off of elbow surgery. So Carson Wentz is a guy I'm keeping my eye on. Keep on balling, Carson. Uh let me go. Let me start off with Jackson. Actually, let's start off with Washington because I want to have some fun with Jacksonville. A.G. Antonio Gibson. Uh, this is a guy that was getting special teams reps in the third quarter of preseason games just a couple weeks ago, and he's still a baller. So I, I don't know what's going on with that situation. I know Brian Robinson was supposed to be running back number one. Everybody was saying, it, and he got shot. So um, so, sorry Brian, I, I, I that that was ruthless. <laughs> it was it was a robbery instance. Uh, and you know, obviously heartfelt for him and. If, if there's oh. actually something, there's <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. That came off. Like I was a heartless creature. Uh, no, I'm happy <laughs> that he's okay. Uh, no ligament damage. I want to say he got shot in the knee, uh, no ligament damage. So he should be back pretty soon. Uh, I think he got put on the, what was it? He got put on the IR to start the season. So four weeks at least. So hopefully we'll see Brian Robinson back on the field soon. Damn. I, I, uh, yeah, that was a rough go for old Jake right here. Sorry about that guys. <laughs> We love you, Brian. <laughs> we love you, Brian. Uh, but AG was an absolute baller, man. 72 yards to the receiving. Like, dude is a stud. He needs to keep on getting reps. Um, now, with, with Jacksonville, obviously, I talked about Trevor already. James Robinson is an absolute stud. ETN looked good with four carries, 47 yards, uh, long of 27. So, he got, he got a lot of that in one carry. Um, Christian Kirk, like you had mentioned, uh, now got the role of wide receiver number one in Jacksonville. And he took full advantage of it, 117 through the air. Um, MVPs. And and I'm gonna steal this from you, Kenny, because I know you say Christian Kirk, but I am going to go with I'm gonna do one MVP and I'm gonna do two MVP. My one MVP, actually I'll start with my two. My two is Tyson Campbell. Um I am doing I'm doing a good little dog thing right here because you know late in the game there's two interceptions by Jacksonville, and they both happened by Bulldogs, and I'm gonna start off with one of the guys that got one, and it was Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell had a clutch interception pretty late in the game and it, it held Jacksonville in this game. Um, then the other guy, my number one MVP was Trayvon Walker. I'm stealing this from you, Kenny. Thank you for giving me this information earlier. Uh, I saw it somewhere on social media, but I would not have remembered it unless you told me about it. Dude had an interception, a forced fumble and a sack in his N- in an NFL debut. So good damn dog right there. Dude is an absolute freak. And he was very deserving of being the first overall pick in that draft. Also Foyer you, uh, this is the guy that led the league in tackles last year. I want to believe. I want to say, and he had ten in his first game in Jacksonville. Uh, I, I wish he was still in a Falcons uniform. One of the best middle linebackers in football. So good to see him continue his success.
0: No, uh, you talk about some dogs there, man. Uh, and I didn't even think about the defensive side of the ball. Trayvon I knew you Walker. Didn't. <laughs> Trayvon Walker is clearly the MVP of this game. I do not know what I was thinking, but Christian Kirk, hell of a game, man. Um, Let's move on to the next, and I know we're coming in on an hour-and-a-half pod here, y'all. We are getting a little long-winded, so we'll try and speed it up as much as possible. Um, but this is another big game uh, that, that we'll have a little bit on, and this is the Cleveland Browns-Carolina Panthers. Um, very, very interesting game here. Um, Baker Mayfield, obviously, revenge game against the Browns, and he comes out and plays very well. Um, he looked good, man. He really did. Um Jacoby Brissett's obviously getting the start nod for Cleveland while Deshaun Watson's out with his suspension. Uh, Jacoby Brissett looked uh, about as average as you could. I mean, eighteen for thirty four, one forty seven, and a touchdown, uh, thirty eight QBR and a seventy four passer rating. And then Baker Mayfield, sixteen for twenty seven, two thirty five, a touchdown, a pick, uh, got sacked four times, uh, QBR thirty seven, but a rating of eighty five or eighty four point seven. I have right here. Um. Obviously, a team like Cleveland, you roll out a guy like Dogs legend Nick Chubb, 22 carries, 141 yards. This dude's an absolute animal. Um, It doesn't matter, and I do think this Panthers defense is pretty good, but it doesn't matter what kind of defense you line up there. Nick Chubb is going to run around you, run through you, run over you, and um, you're not going to be able to do anything to stop it. And Obviously, the one-two punch with Kareem Hunt here is lethal. Uh, McCaffrey looked good in the game. Um, 24 yards through the air, uh, 33 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. Um, a weird game for Carolina. Uh, what I'll say in football, obviously, you know when a team runs the ball heavily, they chew a lot of clock. Um, Baker only threw the ball twenty seven times, and McCaffrey only ran the ball ten times. Um, so twenty seven pass plays and nineteen rushing plays was it in the entire game for this Carolina Panthers team. They didn't get very many opportunities. Um, they did a pretty good job of generating when they did get the opportunities. But uh, this Cleveland team, man, oof, they eat the ball up. They run the ball down the field, and um, there's not really much you can do about it. Obviously, um, and I have it right here, time of possession. Cleveland, 38 minutes, 26 seconds. Carolina, 21 minutes, 34 seconds. It's a 17-minute difference there. Um, that just goes to show the type of offense that this uh, Cleveland team runs. So I'm, uh, I'm not too high on this Cleveland team with Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, Nick Chubb's an absolute animal, but I'm very, very excited to watch this Carolina team as the season goes on and they get a little bit more burn, a little bit more opportunities um, because they did pretty good with what they were given. So, uh, obviously, Cleveland comes away with the win, 26-24 win here against Carolina. Baker drives down the field, take the lead at the end. Looks like he's going to clutch it up. And then uh, Brown's rookie kicker, Mr. Cade York from LSU, goes four for four. And makes a 60-yard game-winning field goal to win this game for Cleveland. So, obviously, if you're a Cleveland fan, um, you got your guy. And um, that's it for this game for me.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to start this game off with the, with the Carolina side of things. Baker Mayfield did look solid. Uh, it was a little bit slow to start the game. But, you know, in the second half, Carolina really started to pick things up. I want to say they were down 17-7 uh, to 7 going into half. And, you know, they did make this game competitive near the end, which was nice to see. McCaffrey didn't really look too great. He only had ten carries, thirty-three yards. He had a tug, uh long of nine. But he's a guy. Obviously, he's coming back from injury. He's a guy that we're looking forward to, you know, seeing him work more games. I'm sure McCaffrey will get back to his same level. He can be healthy. Also, didn't he have like a shin issue or something going on before this game? Took a,
0: took a cleat to the shin. Okay, so that, that, that
1: might, might also be holding him up. Uh, my one key thing I noticed, uh, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is a guy in the past we have known to have potential, and it's kind of seemed like he's disappeared the past few years. Baker Mayfield might have his new favorite wide receiver. I know they have DJ Moore out there. DJ Moore is a top-tier guy. But Robbie Anderson is a big-time play threat. This guy is fast. He can run. He had a long of 75 yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson, 102 through the air and a touch. So it, it's good to see him actually have a little bit of uh, you know action, a little bit of comeback right here. Um... Brown side of things, obviously Jacoby Brissett was not phenomenal, which is not really what, what you expect from Jacoby. Um, you know, you don't really expect Jacoby to come out there and just lead a team to a win. But whenever you have the backfield of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you can kind of do whatever you want to. And there was times where they were running Kareem Hunt at fullback and Nick Chubb at halfback, which was a very interesting formation. It worked well for him. Obviously, those two guys are absolute beasts and they can win you games by themselves. Uh that that's really all I have for it. Kenny, I'm actually going to ask you to talk through this this next phase of things. This is something I've never done on the podcast, but I would rather leave the podcast for 2 minutes and instead of pissing myself. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, let's
1: Agreed. talk about the next one. I'll mute my mic and give me like 1 minute. I'll be right
0: all right, y'all. So uh, for the podcast, I'm rolling solo right here. We'll go into a couple uneventful games while Jake is MIA temporarily. Um, let's hop into the Green Bay-Minnesota game while Jake is gone. Uh, not too much to talk about in this game as the Packers looked absolutely putrid. Um, Aaron Rodgers came out there and laid a little bit of a stinker. 22 for 34, 195, zero touchdowns and a pick. Um, took four sacks as well. 16 QBR, 67 pass rating for him. Um, And then Kirk Cousins came out there and looked elite, 23 for 32, 277, two touchdowns, and he was slinging the ball to Mr. Justin Jefferson. Um, This guy is uh, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. If you think otherwise, you're wrong. I mean, nine receptions, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers actually walked up to him at the end of the game and said, "Uh, you're the best player on the field. So um, that just goes to show, man, when a guy like Aaron Rodgers is singing your praises like that, uh, you need to hop on the Justin Jefferson hype train. Let's talk about the Packers offense a little bit. Uh, the rushing attack was pretty good. Um, Aaron Jones, only five carries. A.J. Dillon, only 10 carries. But 49 yards for Aaron Jones, 45 for A.J. Dillon with a touchdown. They ran the ball very effectively. Um, obviously, in a game like this where you're down early and you're trying to crawl back, you're not going to be running the ball too much and trying to establish your run game. And Aaron Rodgers said after the game, we got to figure out a way to get the ball into 33 and 28's hands more. And that's exactly what they need to do. 15 carries between the two. You need You need to get significantly more action between those two guys. Um, And then defensively, um, the Vikings' defense looked very, very good. The Packers' defense did not look very, very good. Uh, The Packers obviously lose the best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, in Devontae Adams, and uh, bringing a guy uh, through the draft, uh, a couple guys in uh, Romeo Dobbs, Dubs, however you pronounce it, and Christian Watson, Um, didn't get too too much burn in this game as Aaron Rodgers did not play well. Um, As we welcome Jake back to the podcast Oh, yeah, I'm um, back. I'm back. I, we just kind of bro- broke down this Packers-Vikings game a little bit and said, uh, well, we'll go ahead and knock this one out while you're gone since this is a pretty uneventful game and the Packers laid an absolute egg.
1: Okay. All right. have, you, have you done it? Is, is, are you, have you covered all the stuff you want to talk about? Because this is one I am excited
0: to talk about. Well, yeah, yeah. I've talked about everything I wanted to, so go ahead. Uh, let me start
1: off with the Packers side of things because this is the uneventful side of things. Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Probably I, I, he played one of his worst games I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. And it is concerning to me because I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I have an Aaron Rodgers jersey in my closet behind me. Um, but I don't know how invested Aaron Rodgers is in football right now. Is, is that wrong for me to say?
0: I don't think so. And, and, you know, honestly, he may still be coming down off that ayahuasca high.
1: Yeah, yeah, dude, dude. No, he's he is popping Zans pregame. I don't know if it's messing up his his ability to play. Obviously, you've seen him in the past perform on that, but I, I don't know. I don't know if he can keep that rolling. Uh, yeah,
0: he's fair, my in the locker room before the
1: game,
2: so has to be. Has to be to be fair. His receivers are awful. Yep. Green Bay has one of the worst receiving groups in the
1: NFL. If Aaron Rodgers, your quarterback, and AJ Dillon lead your team in in yards. That is a problem. I will go ahead and say that now. A.J. Dillon is a good player, but he is not your prototypical receiving running back. I mean, he had 46 yards through five receptions, six targets. So I mean, he did, he did a good job in this game, but he's not a guy that you expect to go out there and get the bulk of get the bulk of the uh, receptions. Obviously, that seems more of like an Aaron Jones role. Um, A.J. Dillon, if, if I'm going to use my positive in this game, it's going to be A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, and it, it kind of scares me because I have Aaron Jones in my fantasy team. A.J. Dillon looked like he could possibly be one of the more upper echelon running backs in the league. And, I mean, I can't blame defenders because this dude is absolutely yoked. This guy is huge, and he is a bulldozer. He will run you over. A.J. Dillon played a hell of a game. Um, But like I said, not too much from the Packers side. Packers did not look very good at all. And I'm a little bit nervous for their season outlook right now. Now, on the other side of the ball, the Vikings looked awesome. The Vikings are going to be a good football team. And the reason behind that is, I'm not going to say Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to say Adam Thielen. I'm not going to say Dalvin Cook. They have one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in football. And he's been that for the past five or six years now. Dude, Kirk Cousins is a good NFL quarterback. And people need to get that in their minds. You can say what you want to about primetime games. You can say whatever you want to. Kirk Cousins is a solid NFL quarterback. Quit joking this guy. He can play ball. I know he's had loaded teams around him throughout his whole career, but I, I, don't, I don't put that in consideration whenever I look at quarterbacks too much because most quarterbacks, most most successful quarterbacks do have good teams around them. You, that, that is a known fact in football. You have to have a whole team or you're not going to be successful. That's pretty much how it works. Uh, and he went out and balled. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, he is a guy that you could, you could honestly mention as being the top receiver in football. I know there's a couple guys, but me and Kenny will say that on throughout, throughout this podcast and throughout episodes and stuff, but he is legit a candidate. He's a top three receiver. And, and so far, we said him and Stephon Diggs, so we only leave one left. <laughs> Cooper Cup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dalvin Cook went out and played his game. Obviously, we, we know what Dalvin Cook is. Dalvin Cook's one of the best running backs in football. And the Vikings looked great. Defense looked good. Offense looked good. Uh, and this is a team that might win this division. I, I, I
2: would probably, if I was betting right now, I think I would bet for the Vikings. Yeah, I don't think you'd be wrong for it. I, I think this Vikings
1: team, man, Justin Jefferson by himself. I, I, Jair Alexander wanted to uh, guard him one-on-one, and we saw how that turned out for Jair. And that is no knock on Jair Alexander because he's one of the better corners in football. It's just you're guarding Justin Jefferson. This dude can do everything. He can run routes. He can jump over. You
2: can catch the ball. He, can, he legit does everything. On a football field.
0: Yeah, he's different.
2: Different. All right, let's talk about this Colts game.
0: Um, Matty Ice straps it up for the Indianapolis Colts for the first time and uh plays a pretty good game. Thirty-two for fifty, three fifty-two, which is second in the league right now, behind a guy we'll talk about here in a little bit that is a total shocker. You would not guess he'd be leading the league in yards. Um Seven yards, average, one touchdown, one interception. Takes two sacks, 48 QBR, and an 83 rating. Plays a pretty good game here. Um, and then Mr. Davis Mills for the Houston Texans, who has worked his way into being a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he looks like he is going to be here to stay. 23 for 37, 240 through the air, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 46 QBR, and a 98.9 passer rating. Um, couple things I want to touch on for this game. Michael Pittman Jr. looks like a number one receiver. Matt Ryan loves him. Nine receptions, 121 yards, and a touchdown. And Mr. Jonathan Taylor. This is the best running back in the NFL. Um, 31 carries, 161 yards, 5.2 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Um, Also, four receptions for 14 yards as well. A little bit of a dual threat there. Um, This game ends in an uneventful tie in overtime. Um, Rodrigo Blankenship. Dogs legend. Missed a game potential game-winning field goal, had two kickoffs go out of bounds, and is now off of the team as of <laughs> today. Um, RIP, Rodrigo, we love you. I uh, would absolutely love to have you on the Falcons if it wasn't for uh, Mr. Young-way-ku. Yeah. Um, uh Defensively, uh, the Colts defense... Uh, underperformed to an extent, and the Houston-Texas defense overperformed 100%. This Texas defense looked much better than I expected. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to keep that up, um, but the Colts defense um, underperformed for what we expect from them. Obviously, they're missing Darius slash Shaquille Leonard, who is uh, you know arguably the best linebacker in the NFL. So um, I expect to see more from this Colts team, but uh, nonetheless, Matt Ryan first game as a colt starts the year off undefeated.
2: Yeah, I I I I guess you could say that undefeated that that is a fact. There's not a one in the loss column. Um I'm going to kick this off by saying this
1: is one of the more disappointing games of of the weekend for me. Uh I had money. I'm just going to say this. I had money. I don't know if me and Kenny are going to have enough time to actually dip into our bets today. We might we might have to save our bet recap for tomorrow Kenny and try to push through a little bit quicker. I think that might be a better goal uh because if not, if not we are going to be two hours and 30 minutes deep uh i i'm just gonna go ahead and say i lost money on the colts i want to say that somewhere around six points was was the spread and i in my mind that was an absolute hammer because of how much i've heard coming out of this colts camp uh obviously matt ryan played a decent game i'll start off with the colts matt ryan played a decent game uh 352, obviously a lot of yards, a lot of counting stats. He also threw the ball 50 times, so I, I, he had a lot of attempts. One TUD, one interception, two sacks, which I'm I'm sure he is enjoying. That that that's a pretty good thing for old Matty Ice. He's he's you know he's getting nice and good. I'm sure his joints feel pretty good compared to his Atlanta Atlanta days. Jonathan Taylor, absolute stud. Everybody out of college whenever he was coming out, he, he was the best best running back in college. Teams were skeptical of him because of how much tread he had on his tires or tread how much the lack of tread on his tires. Uh. I would say, because how much he ran the ball, he burnt all that stuff off at college, is what they were saying. And they were wrong. This dude came to the next level and instantly, day one, became one of the best running backs in football. And right now, I agree with you, Kenny. He is the best running back in, in, in about setting college football. We talked too much about college football recently. He is the best running back in the NFL. There is not one single doubt about it. There's no competition. He is on a whole nother level than anybody else to me right now. Um, Michael Pittman Jr. This is a guy that me and Kenny both been high on and he is a stud. Matt Ryan talked a lot about him coming out of camp and they proved this connection right here is going to be a big connection for Mr. Matt Ryan. Also Nahin Hines. He's a guy that in the league that I feel like doesn't get talked about much, but he is a Swiss Army knife. And anytime you get to watch him play, I enjoy to watch him play. He is electric. Nahin Hines is always fun to watch. Um, I didn't really pay too much to the defensive side of the ball, so I don't have much to say about them on the defensive side of the ball. They did record three sacks. Quiddie Pay, absolute stud. I want to say out of Michigan, uh, absolute baller. He had two sacks, which was really, really good to see. Houston, another quarterback that I feel like has not been getting enough hype and that needs to give more respect on his name is Dougie Mills. Davis Mills, to me, so far through what we've seen in his NFL career, is the best rookie quarterback from last year's class. Not rookie quarterback no more, but he's the best quarterback from last year's class to me. You could argue Matt Jones. Mac Jones is playing in a very friendly system to it, to what he played with. Davis Mills was playing with Houston, Texas. That, that's 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 a very very big difference right there. He has Unless been the guy. A who,
0: caveat here. I don't think, and, and I agree with you. Davis Mills, what we've seen so far, has been the most impressive. I don't think either one of us are saying that Davis Mills is the most talented.
1: No, no. Davis Mills mean. is talent wise. He is below Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields. No doubt in my mind. Trey Lance. Yeah. He's, he's below all those guys.
0: I think talent-wise and and ceiling, uh, it's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, clear one and two. Um, And then you got guys like Trey Lance and and, Zach Wilson Wilson as well. Um, But obviously those guys are suffering a little bit from the systems that they've been put in. And uh, Davis Mills has kind of fought through all the adversity and um, went into a bad system as well. I don't want to say bad system, but bad team, I'll say, Um, and has thrived. Yeah, he, he has been awesome.
1: Uh, I, I do want to mention another quick thing. Uh, Damian Pierce is a guy that out of camp, everybody was saying he was the number one running back, and clearly, as of right now, he is not so much the number one guy. He did have 11 carries compared to Rex Burkhead's 14, but I think whenever what I was expecting was him to get a l- lot more carries than the number two guy. I did not expect Burkhead to come out there and get 14 carries, and he did. So that, that's a little bit concerning to me. Um, Neither guy really did much work. I mean, Pierce averaged three yards per carry, and... Uh, Burkhead averaged four, uh, two point nine. Both a long of eight, but neither of those guys are guys you expect to really go out there and just ramble like forty yards downfield. That's not really neither of their game. Uh, and Brandon Cooks, this is a guy that puts up numbers every year, and for some reason he can he has not managed to stay on a football team. <laughs> so you expe- you know what you're going to get from Brandon Cooks. He's going to be a guy that's going to drop a thousand yards at the end of the year, and nobody's going to talk about him. So. You know, he's he's a top 15, top 20 guy in the league, and he does it year after year. So he, he's
2: a great player.
0: I want to interrupt this NFL talk. I know we're getting a little long winded here to say that. Um, I'll see uh Should be getting called up tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Uh, what was it? Four for four,
0: five for five,
1: something like that with a walk off home run.
0: Five for five with a walk off home run. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We can expect to see uh, Oz Hano pretty soon. Yeah, come on back, Ozzy. Def, definitely going to happen.
2: We love Ozzy. We're really pumped to see him.
0: All right, next game. This one, I'm actually pretty pumped about. Um, New York Giants traveling to Nashville, take on Tennessee Titans. Giants come away with the win, 21-20, against a uh, pretty highly ranked Titans team here. Um, this was the most surprising quarterback battle of opening week. Um, two quarterbacks played, in my opinion, very, very good games. Um, Daniel Jones comes in here and really impresses me, man. 17 for 21, 188 yards, two tuds, does have an interception, 116 uh, passer rating. Obviously, Daniel Jones has struggled with fumbles. You can expect about one a game, one every two games for Mr. Dan Jones, and he did have one. Um, so not, nothing out of the ordinary there. And then Mr. Ryan Tannehill also had a decent game, Twenty for 33 266, two tuds. Uh, 106 rating, no interceptions for Ryan Tannehill there. Um, And then also you talk about this running back matchup, man. Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 164 yards and a touchdown, also had 30 yards through the air. Um, Saquon's all the way back. Yeah,
2: Um, Saquon is
0: back for sure. And then Derrick Henry, pretty impressive game as well, 82 yards on the ground, uh, 3.9 yards per carry, a little bit low, but it's Derrick Henry, y'all. He's still good. Um, And the Giants come over with a win here. Not too much to talk about for me, um, other than the Titans' defense. Um, Actually looked pretty good. Uh, Kevin Byard, absolute stud. Love Kevin Byard. I've been a big fan of his um, for years. And uh, uh, Tay Crowder for the Giants. Tay Crowder led the team in tackles. It was seven uh, total tackles on the game. And we got to see him absolutely step into the hole, near foot, near shoulder, annihilate Derrick Henry. Blow him off of his feet, lands on his back. Uh, Tay Crowder, dog legend, we love you.
1: Yeah, and and you're going to bring me right into this because I do remember uh, whenever we did our thing right at the start of the preseason, one of our first episodes we had talked about dogs to watch in the NFL like this coming up here and Tay Crowder was one of the guys we mentioned. Dude was super underrated last year. He's one of the best inside linebackers in the game and he's going to continue to be that this year. Uh, So I'm going to start off on the Giants side of things. You are completely right on Daniel Jones. He played a Good football game. The QBR was low at 25.8. With That quarterback rating of a 115.9, That that is nice. That Those are good numbers. I know these numbers are kind of, you can take them with a grain of salt. Obviously, neither of those numbers are really, like, it's kind of hard to determine what even goes into those numbers. So <laughs> as a casual fan like me, I'm not going to say casual. As, as, as a pretty hardcore fan, I, I still don't completely understand what those numbers mean. So, you know, take those with a grain of salt.
0: Diving into the analytics here.
1: No, no, we're just doing our eye tests and saying what we saw on the football field. Um, this Giants team is a team for the past couple of years we've seen offensive weapons go through and we've always looked at it as kind of like, okay, they have the weapons to do something and they haven't quite got those weapons to really get used. You know, in the past we've seen guys like Odell come through, obviously Saquon, and this was a game where I, I saw some weapons kind of come alive. Saquon was an absolute beast. Saquon is working his way back Obviously, from some problems the past couple of years. And if he gets to back to the level that Saquon Barkley can play at, he is going to be a guy that will be challenging Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey for being, you know, that number two running back in football. I don't think he'll pass Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's on a different level, like I mentioned earlier, but he is going to be a guy that's going to hop in that conversation. Obviously, Nick Chubb's another guy in that conversation um sterling Shepard. it was good to see him kind of have a good game only two receptions with 71 yards and a tud uh sterling Shepard's a guy in past years we've seen have some success he's a guy i'm pretty high on I-, I like him a lot um we didn't see darius slayton in this game i i didn't really pay attention to the injury report going into the game so i don't know if he was out or there was an injury issue with that but i do know that they did have a couple of receivers that have injury issues uh Kadarius tony and Wando robinson were two guys that i know pre-game were having a little bit of stuff i know throughout the preseason Kadarius tony struggled they both ended up playing in this game. Darius Tony did not have a, a target or a catch, um, but I assume that as the season goes on, his health gets better. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a, you know, dynamic playmaker on the offense like he can be in um, the, in the Titans. You're right, man. Uh, in a game where we thought Derrick Henry was going to be the complete workhorse. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is the one that kept him in this game. Tannehill played a hell of a game. Obviously kind of has to at this point, because what we saw from Mr. Malik Wilson, preseason Malik Wilson looked like he was aiming for that job in the preseason. So, Tannehill has to be on his, P's and, on his T's and Q's and uh, keep rolling. Henry played a decent game, but, you know, 21 carries, 82 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. It's not a bad game, but when you look at a guy like Derrick Henry, you expect, you know, top, top-tier numbers. And I'm not going to say he didn't give it to us, but, you know, it, it's Derrick Henry. We expect that.
0: All right, let's bring us into the next game, a game I have been chomping at the bit to get to, man, because there is a guy here that... I don't want to say he hasn't been talked about enough, because if I said that, you guys would probably come at me with pitchforks saying, Kenny, what are you talking about? But for some reason, last year, it seems like people forgot about him. Yes. And that's the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Um, Patrick Mahomes is clearly the best quarterback in the league, um, has been for a while. You talk about guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Obviously, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest ball throwers of all time. Two-time uh, – or two-in-a-row MVP, I should say. Um, Patrick Mahomes is here. He's changed the game completely. He is the Steph Curry of the NFL. Um, he comes in here and does everything that you fundamentally tell your kids through little league football, middle school football, high school football, do not do, and he does it better than most quarterbacks can do anything. Um, he throws the ball, right a backwards sidearm while he's falling across the field, back shoulder, whatever he wants to do. He's even throwing the ball with his left hand. Um, this guy is a talent we've never seen before. 30 for 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns, 94 QBR, and a 144 perfect passer rating. Um, this dude, it's it's absurd. I mean, guys, you need to sit back, kick your feet up, and watch this guy play because one day we're going to be talking about him like we do Tom Brady, and uh, Tom Brady obviously in what is most likely going to be his final season, and you can't do anything but just admire the greatness. Enjoy this guy while he's here because one day he won't be, and the league is going to miss him. Um, uh, Chiefs come out with a big, big, big win, uh, 44 21 over the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, obviously, a Super Bowl contender, a team that a lot of people are high on, including myself and Jake. Um, Kyler Murray, an absolute stud. 22 for 34 on the day, 193 yards, two touchdowns, a 53 QBR, and a 99 perfect passer rating. Um, Not the most stellar game out of Kyler, but nonetheless, he played a pretty good game. Uh, This offense just really, really struggled to move the ball against this Chiefs defense. And the Chiefs defense has kind of been the Achilles heel for this team in years past. Um, I watch Chiefs a little bit more than I watch other teams. Um, and that's because my wife is a diehard Chiefs fan. So I mo- you know, most likely will be tuned into every game throughout the year. Um, have been for the past three or four seasons. Um, and uh, uh, this is a game that we watched, and, and I got to kind of see how everything unfolded. A couple surprises here. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. um Came in as his seventh round draft pick for the Chiefs in this year's draft out of Rutgers. He's 23 years old. Came in and uh led the team in carries. Uh sixty or twelve carries, excuse me, sixty-two yards, five point two yards per carry and a touchdown. Out carried uh running back one, just Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Clyde did have a really, really good day as well, 42 carries or excuse me, 42 yards on seven carries and uh thirty-two yards through the air with two touchdowns. Um and Patrick Mahomes spreads the ball, man. Ten different receivers uh got a, got a catch in this game, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Travis Kelsey is, in my opinion, the second-best tight end of all time. Could go down as the best when it's all said and done. Eight catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. This dude didn't skip a beat. He was my first overall pick in this year's fantasy draft. He was last year as well, and I'll keep doing it as long as I can. Um, This Chiefs team is scary. Juju comes in, first game as a Chief, 79 yards through the air. Looks absolutely amazing. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, we talk about a guy like this. Um, You can't replace Tyreek Hill. You can't. Um, A lot of people said that this Chiefs offense was going to take a big step back without Tyreek Hill. I was actually in the minority to say, I think this Chiefs offense might look better without Tyreek Hill. And that sounds crazy. You might be trying to crucify me for saying that. But here's what I think. When you have a team that is so reliant on one star receiver, like the Chiefs are with Tyreek Hill, or have been with Tyreek Hill. And obviously, we talk about Patrick Mahomes. I don't need to get on that soapbox anymore. But um, that, that's not a, a, a negative thing on Patrick Mahomes, it's just going to show that when you have a talent like Tyreek Hill, who is undoubtedly a top five wide receiver in the NFL, you're going to get him the ball in any way that you can. But when you take a guy like that off the field, and you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, who is efficient, who is amazing numbers-wise, production-wise, it gives him the ability to spread the ball more. And... The best way to attack NFL defenses who are loaded with talent everywhere because these are the best football players in the world is for them not to know where the ball is going. And when Tyreek Hill's not in the game, he's not on the team, these teams, you have a guy like Travis Kelsey. You know he's going to get the ball, but you're not going to stop Travis Kelsey. Every matchup is a mismatch for him. But 10 different receivers in this game, man. Patrick Mahomes, for the first time in his career, has multiple weapons like multiple stud weapons at mvs juju they draft sky Moore. uh they obviously McCole hardman travis kelsey like he has so many weapons to get the ball out to and this team is scary man they are my super bowl pick super bowl favorite i think they're gonna win the division i think they're gonna run away with this thing and i don't think they're gonna skip a beat at all i know i have rambled jake i will let you take the take the wheel here
1: yeah and I'm, i'm gonna kick this one off by saying that uh for those out there who don't know this is our first week of talking nfl ball really and uh I am a, outside of the Falcons, I like to have a competitive team I get to root for. So whenever playoff te- playoffs roll around and the Falcons are not there, I actually have a little bit of a dog in the fight. And for me, that is the Arizona Cardinals for one particular reason. And that is because my favorite player in the NFL is Kyler Murray. I really, really enjoy
2: Kyler Murray playing ball. But this Chiefs team did not allow Kyler Murray to even stay in this game. They played the Cardinals out of the atmosphere. Like,
1: Calamari did not have a bad game. Like, Calamari did not play bad football. But with how Kansas City was putting up points, they had no chance in this game. Uh, we, look at, we look at the Cardinals. You did a good job breaking down the numbers on this one, by the way, Kenny, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. Cardinals struggle to run the ball. Um, you look at the wide receiver room. The wide receiver room without D-Hop is, is slim, man. This, this wide receiver room, you talk about Marquise Brown, A.J. Green, and Andy Isabella. Eno Benjamin, like Zach Ertz, I know he's there, but that, you know, in the lead today with all these teams, with all these receivers, that's not a super loaded wide receiver group. Um, we also talk about J.J. Watt being down right now, Taylor Jones leaving. Um, Those are obviously two big hits. Chandler Jones is a guy that doesn't really get talked about much, but he's a guy that gets double-digit sacks every single season. So, you know, this Cardinals team is going to go through a little bit of growing pains. I- I'm assuming they're going to be fine. Uh, Obviously, they're without D-Hop for the first six weeks. So, whenever he gets back, obviously, if you've watched the... I say obviously a lot. I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> but, I mean, if you watch Cardinals games in the past, you know that the D-Hop-Kyler connection is real, and Kyler loves to toss the ball 60 yards downfield to D hop for him to go up and get it. And whenever that start, starts happening again, I'm confident in the Cardinals, obviously that, uh, there I go again, that division does not look good right now. Um, I want to say that they started off. zero and four. every team in that division lost, right?
2: Cardinals Rams, 49ers and Seahawks. Yep. Seahawks. won. I would, I don't know about I was thinking about Denver, Denver's in Kansas
1: city. That's my fault. They're in the AFC. Yeah. Uh, So right now, Seahawks are first place in that division. So right now, that division is kind of up for grabs. You know, the Rams didn't look great. Cardinals obviously didn't look too good, but they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm not going down on the Cardinals just yet. I think that they should be fine as the season goes on. But you were completely right, breaking down Patrick Mahomes. He is the best. Um, And you compared him to Steph Curry, which is interesting to me. Um, Patrick Mahomes did not have a Super Bowl appearance last year. And it seemed like due to that, people were just automatically falling off of him. It kind of reminds me of the couple of years, you know, Steph Curry broke the league, came in, he was winning all this championships and then he had like two or three years where he didn't really win one and nobody, everybody kind of just stopped talking about Steph Curry. And then last year he comes back and wins a championship again. So <laughs> I, I have a little bit of feeling like that with Patrick Mahomes right now is that everybody's silent on him right now. It seemed like, oh yeah. Okay. Josh Allen's the best quarterback in football. That's what the whole notion is. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is better. You know, there's got Justin Herbert might be better. No, this guy's about to come out and absolutely light the league up again. And uh, I, I would say that them and the Buffalo Bills, if, if I was going to put two bets on my Super Bowl champions, those would be the two teams I'd put my money on right now.
0: And I'll say this before we close this thing out, man. I think the Arizona Cardinals are a very, very good football team. Yes. And I think it's apparent. Um, and I don't – you look at the numbers, man. Kyler played a decent game. He didn't look horrible. No. But they just couldn't move the ball. And to close this out, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this one thing, and then I'll be done. If the Kansas City Chiefs have a good defense, watch out.
2: Yeah, watch out. And another thing I want to mention before we get off this, this game is closer. Even though it's a 44-21 score, this score looks closer than what the game was. Kansas City scored, I mean, Arizona scored 14 of those points in garbage time. So... (laughs) (laughs) This game, the score of a 44-21 to game looked closer to what the actual game was.
1: Arizona Arizona was not in this game. There was not a single chance from the start that Arizona was going to win this football game.
2: Kansas City looked amazing.
0: The crazy thing about it is when you look at Patrick Mahomes' stat line, it's not even that surprising.
2: No. I mean, people should assume this from Patrick Mahomes. Like Like you're used
0: to it.
1: People, people forgot about them. I think that the problem comes from whenever you expect something, you see something from somebody so much that you start to get used to it. Obviously, Josh Allen's a little bit newer to the scene. Josh Allen's the new. You have you have your old. You know you have your old Porsche in the backyard that is probably worth more. But then you got this brand new Corvette you just got. and You're like, oh, I want to take this thing out for a spin, knowing that the Porsche is worth four times the amount of the Corvette.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is, man. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget, and uh, we just you you can't allow it to happen.
1: No, no, you cannot Uh, allow it to happen because then one day you're going to seem like an idiot whenever somebody asks you the question.
0: All right, y'all. I know this is a super long one, and uh, we are rambling on, so we'll close it out. Only only a couple more games to go over here before we head out of this thing and close you guys out. Um, Let's hop into the Raiders-Chargers matchup. Uh, One of the better games of the week, um, this was a a game that— Everyone expected it to be good and it didn't disappoint at all. Um, Chargers obviously are getting a lot of talk as a Super Bowl team, Super Bowl contender. Um, and I don't think you're wrong for thinking that Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's another guy that got a lot of burn uh, last year coming in a lot of MVP talks this year and comes out and plays an amazing game. Uh, Derek Carr as well. Derek Carr, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, also gets his old buddy back, his best friend from college, a guy that uh, they've gone through a lot together on the field and off the field, Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams did not skip a beat. 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, This Devontae Adams-Derek Carr connection is not something that's going to have to be established because, like I just mentioned, these guys broke records together in college, so the connection has been there. Um Derek Carr, 22 for 37, 295, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Not the most efficient game, uh, but nonetheless did produce. Uh, Justin Herbert played an amazing game, 26 for 34, 279, and three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 84 QBR, 84.8, and a 129.4 passer rating. A couple things to mention in this game. Josh Jacobs is back. Josh Jacobs looks good. He's one of the best running backs in the league. We're a little bit concerned with him in the preseason and how they were playing him, Um, but he looks to be the guy. 10 carries, led the team, uh, 57 yards on the ground, 5.7 average, obviously. And then Austin Eckler also looked really, really good through the air and uh, on the ground. Um, and then I already mentioned Devontae Adams. Uh, you talk about guys like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Uh, this uh, Raiders team is loaded in the passing game. And the same thing with the Chargers. Uh, Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett, um, obviously Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler and uh, Mike Williams here. Um, this is a loaded receiving core from all aspects. Um, this team is very, very good. These are both teams that I expect to contend, um, and uh, both playoff teams in my opinion.
1: Yeah, these two teams play in the toughest uh division in the NFL, along with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. Uh, And like you said, this matchup did not disappoint. Uh, I am famous, not famous, but I am known to have said that the Chargers are my Super Bowl pick, my preseason Super Bowl pick. That's who I was rolling with. And I know just now I said if I was betting right now, I would bet for the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. It's because that at that point, my money's on the line. And I can make dumb bets with words, but I'm not going to make dumb bets with money. That's not... <laughs> that's not how I'm going to roll. So, you know, you got to get a little bit fun whenever you're trying to do your Super Bowl pick. It's not no fun to go out there and say the Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, or Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Buffalo Bills. So I want to go a little bit strange, go with the Chargers. Um, and I still believe it. I, I still do believe that any given Sunday, the Chargers can beat any team in football. The Raiders can beat any team in football any given Sunday. These two teams are two upper echelon teams in the NFL. Uh, talk about the Chargers. You talk about Justin Herbert, man top five quarterback in football. He, he's he been like this since he got in the league. Um, he's one of those freaks, just like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I think those three guys, when it comes to just arm ability and talent, I think those three guys, when it comes to young quarterbacks, are on a different level. I'm not including Brady and Rogers in this conversation, because obviously it's not very fun to include them in this conversation, because we don't know how much more years we're going to get on. We're talking about the future of the NFL. And Herbert is one of those guys that is going to be a huge part of that. Um, Austin Eckler, he's still a beast. Uh, Kind of slow game on the ground today, or not today, but, you know, this past weekend. But we know what we're going to get from Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler throughout the season is going to be one of the best running backs in football. Not so much, you know, straight up toting the ball, but just the numbers he's going to put up through the air and on the ground is going to be pretty impressive. Kenan Allen uh, looked good. He did have a hamstring issue. I believe it's going to keep him out this coming up week. But, uh, you know, he he's... Always a top 10 receiver in football. He's, he's consistently great, and that's, that's what he's known for.
0: And I didn't I, think he, about it when we were talking about it earlier, but he does have a short week this year. They got a Thursday night game against the Chiefs coming up.
1: Yep, Thursday night against the Chiefs. That's going to be a huge hit for the Chargers. Obviously, they have Mike Williams. Uh, he has a slogan in this game, but I think Mike Williams kind of really burst on the scene last year. and We, we know what Mike Williams can do as, as, a, as a top-tier receiver in the league. Um, Derek Carr. Uh, he did throw three picks in this game, um, and the Chargers defense was all over him. Five sacks. And for you to throw three picks in the game to be a five-point game, that is pretty impressive because he's not going to throw three picks every game. <laughs> so that is that is, I'm not going to say it's a positive because you still lose the football game, but it isn't a positive in the aspect of you still kept up with a huge playoff contender by losing the turnover battle by a significant margin. So, you know, take take that as, as, as a positive if you want to. Josh Jacobs, dude, is a monster. We talk about Josh Jacobs. Uh, he kind of reminds me a lot of James Robinson is that aspect of just pure bruisers that have been great and I feel like don't get enough talk because their teams are kind of, you know, in, in air about both of them. It's kind of been some rumors speculating about both of them this offseason. Um, and, you know, you you talked all all about Devontae Adams, man. Devontae Adams, uh, I'm going to say top five because I feel like we've said top three about four times now, so... I don't know how many
2: people can squeeze in the top three. I, I would assume it's only three, so I'm gonna say top five. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That is um, that, that. That is it for me on the on that on that aspect.
0: All right, two two more games to hit before we get out of here. This one will probably be a, a quick one. Uh, we got the Tampa Bay Dallas matchup. Um, Pretty boring game for the most part. Uh, both defenses look pretty good in this one. Dak obviously goes down with the injury. Hate to see that. He's going to miss some time. Um, had surgery. Everything went well. But he's probably looking like they're, they're hoping to get him back by week four, it looks like. Um, that. That's a pretty optimistic timeline. But we'll, we'll see if they can make that happen. Uh, Tom Brady looked great. Um, Dak looked Decent for the most part, uh, but that Tampa defense is is very, very good. Uh, star of this game, I'll say Leonard Fournette, man. 21 carries, 127 yards, 6 yards per carry. Also caught the ball a little bit. Um, Mike Evans had a good game. Um, Ezekiel Elliott had a really good game as well. Averaged 5.2 yards per carry. And um, uh, guys like Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, uh, those guys really showed out to me. CeeDee Lamb, obviously, is the number one receiver on this team. Didn't get too much burn. He was getting kind of shadowed. Um by Carlton Davis most of the night. Carlton Davis is a upper echelon corner in the league. Um, so a pretty uneventful game for the most part. Obviously, Dak goes down with the in- injury, and Tampa goes up uh, with a 19-3 win here. Only one touchdown scored in the game.
1: Yeah, and I want to mention that one touchdown. Uh, actually, won want me some money. I love to do first touchdown score bets, and I've never hit one until this game, and it just so happened to happen in the third quarter which gave me a heart attack because going into this game, I thought this was going to be an offensive game. I thought this game was going to be a super high scoring, super offensive game. I bet the over in this game, I want to say the number was around 49 and I I was on it and it was the opposite of that. Um, Tom Brady did a good job driving down the field, but it seemed like Tampa Bay was having a really, really hard time pushing that ball in the end zone. Michael Parsons just seemed like every time they would get towards the end zone, they would get to a third down and you know, three at, like, the 15, or they'd get third down and goal at, like, the eight, and Michael Parsons would just come flying off the edge and sack Tom Brady and just, you know, end those hopes. So, Ryan Suckup had a huge game uh, in, for Tampa.
2: Um, Leonard Fournette, he was a guy that was getting joked the whole offseason because apparently he was coming into camp, he was fat. Leonard
1: Fournette is a beast. Holy cow, this guy was running the rock. Like this guy was looked like a tank out there. Like it it was, it was awesome to see Lenny running the ball like that. It was, it was super cool. That felt like, you know, I I know Lenny's been good. Like don't get me wrong, Lenny's been a good football player for some years now. But that felt like, like that felt like, Lenny had Lenny found the fountain of youth a little bit. And uh, you know, talking about the fountain of youth, I want to also mention Ezekiel Elliott looked good too. This is a guy that you know. he was—he was obviously a top running back in football. In the past couple of years, he's been good. Don't get me wrong, but he's—he's kind of fallen off that top top tier of running backs. And he looked really good. It—it kind of seems strange that Dallas went away from the rushing attack so early on because of the success he was having. And obviously, Dak was not having the best game. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it. I'm sorry. Uh, I might have missed it. But Dak's going to be out for a little bit with a with a thumb issue, right? I want to say that he's having thumb surgery. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. So. We'll see what Dallas has to do there at the quarterback position. Right now, it seems like Cooper Rush is the guy. He had a little bit of play in this game, but you know, you don't never know if Dallas is going to go out there and make a move for a different guy to bring in. Um, I've seen people talking about Jimmy G. I think every time a quarterback gets hurt in the NFL, Jimmy G is going to be the first name brought up. I don't know if the move is going to happen. I don't think so. I think that if I was going to put my money on it, I bet Cooper Rush is going to be running out there for Dallas next weekend, but we'll see how that goes. Um,
0: a lot of talk about
1: Tyler Huntley as well. Tyler Huntley would be so much fun. I would love to see Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley is a dog. I, I would yeah. I would love to see him get a shot as a starter in the NFL. I think that he could be good. Obviously, it wouldn't be long term because Dak is still a top ten quarterback in NFL. Obviously, he had a bad week one, but you know Dak Dak is a beast. Ceedee Lamb didn't really show out, and it kind of made me a little bit nervous because this is kind of his first gig as being wide receiver number one, like full time. He didn't really have no no help around him. Obviously, Amari Cooper's with Cleveland right now, and Michael Gallup's hurt for a couple weeks, so. C.D. Lamb had his first shot at being wide receiver number one. He did not really impress at all. Eleven targets and two receptions. That's, that's kind of alarming. I don't know if it was more of the quarterback or more of the you know wide receiver play out there. Um, I didn't know Dak was trying to make the connection there, but there were some balls that kind of seemed a little bit forced, and Dak was definitely not on, on not on the money tonight, or not tonight, but you know for the game. Uh, Dalton Schultz looked good. Dalton Schultz is a guy that does not get talked about enough. He's also a top tier tight end in the league, and nobody really talks about him. Um, Julio Jones, I, I I could mention Mike Evans right here. Mike Evans, but I feel like we know what we're gonna get from Mike Evans. Every year, Mike Evans is another guy that just puts up numbers. Julio Jones looked young. Julio Jones top speed this past week weekend. He had a top 15 top speed in the NFL this past weekend. Julio Jones looked young and healthy, and I, I feel like he's he's rejuvenated playing with this Tampa team. I don't know what is I don't know what TB they put
2: 12 the word. Yeah, the, he's on the TB 12 method, right? Yeah. So Julio looked awesome, man. And Kenny, I know you're a Chris Godwin fantasy holder, and I know he was dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue, but dude,
1: Tom Brady was trying to get the ball to Julio. Tom Brady was trying to find Julio on a couple big plays. And I would not be surprised if he's their main big play threat this year. Like, he is their secret, like, secret weapon they brought out of nowhere. I feel like teams have kind of fallen off Julio, and they are going to use Julio as that guy. Like, okay. Y'all don't, y'all don't think highly on this guy anymore? This guy will change the game on you. If Julio is healthy, I am 1,000% confident, me being a Falcons fan, that he is going to be awesome, and he looked like it in week one.
0: Yeah, dude, Julio's an absolute beast. It's great to see him get some play. Yeah,
1: I, I know there's, again, there's a lot of Falcons fans that out there that hate Julio. Me and Kenny are in the variety of the people that love Julio. You can't go through a rebuild and expect your guys to want to stick around. That's not how sports work. Guys want to go out there, and they want to win championships. Julio Jones is a historic football player, and he has every right to want to go win a championship. I will never knock a person for that.
0: Absolutely not. All right, that brings us into the last game of NFL Week 1, y'all. We're past two hours now. This has been an absolute banger. If it's been a long one, I'm, I apologize for all y'all two-hour two, two hour listeners out there. But if you made it this far, thank you so much, man. We're going to try and limit these. I know we've said it multiple times. We've done a pretty good job for the most part. It's a little bit of a X factor. Um, But we got a lot of ball to talk about. Week one the NFL, we obviously want to go in-depth and and give you guys our opinions. Um, Let's go. Last game of the week, we've got the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson, first game as a quarterback, traveling to Seattle to take on his former team, the Seahawks. Um, This was a really, really good game, a really good quarterback matchup as well. Uh, Russell Wilson plays a really good game, 29 of 42, 340 through the year in a tud, Um, 52 QBR, 101 rating. Favorite target of the game, Jerry Judy. Four catches, 102, had a long of 67, so I know know he got a big chunk on that long touchdown pass. Um, Cortland Sutton as well. Um, And Javante Williams, man, my fantasy running back one. Uh, 11 receptions, also seven carries, uh, 43 yards on the ground, 65 yards through the air. A bad fumble down there at the end that really hurt him, but uh, for the most part, Javante Williams, absolute stud. Headed into Seattle, Geno Smith. If y'all are watching this game, uh, this is obviously the Sunday night game broadcast on ESPN. Um, the ESPN 2 has an alternate broadcast, the Manning Cast with Peyton and Eli, where they go in a little bit more depth, talk about what the quarterbacks are seeing, talk about what they're seeing on the field. Um, and one thing I thought was pretty interesting that both of these guys said was that they were really high on Geno Smith. They like Geno Smith. He's got the talent. They think he really had not had a fair shake in the NFL. Um, and uh, they think he could still have a really successful career if given the opportunity. And what we saw in this first game for him, man, I can't disagree. 23 for 28, 195 yards, 7 average, uh, 2 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, 69 QBR, and a 119.5 passer rating. Um, Geno Smith came out there and pitched an absolute gem. Um Also, six carries on the ground for 42 yards. Uh, The Seahawks team, it was a little bit weird through the air. Um, Tyler Lockett, kind of a lackluster night. DK Metcalf as well. Seven receptions, 36 yards for him. Um, But they got it done. Defensively, they they looked really good. And then the very controversial 64-yard field goal attempt at the end instead of going for it um, for the Broncos that ended up costing them the win here.
2: Yeah. uh, Like you mentioned, the Broncos, man – They look good. I I do think that they
1: have a little bit more potential than what we saw in this game. Obviously, like you mentioned, Kenny, we're going to go a little bit more in depth throughout this process because it is week one and we want to diagnose every team fully in week one because this is the first chance we got to see them. And I was not super impressed with what I saw from the Broncos, but they're a team that obviously has a lot of talent. Um, Jared Judy. Jared Judy is a beast. He is Going to emerge as a super breakout guy. I had mentioned him before. I don't know if it was podcast wise, but I like to give myself a little bit of shout out sometimes, even though you guys might not believe it's true. But this was a guy I was looking at to be a breakout candidate this year, and so far it's looking like he has a quarterback that can actually throw the ball around the yard of Russell Wilson. And Russ looked good, man. Let Russ cook, uh, as 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 he would say. But he didn't cook. He he didn't cook enough going back to Seattle to win this game. A bunch of key turnovers. Javante Williams lost the ball at the end zone and uh, the red zone. Melvin Gordon also had a pretty big fumble that, that kind of cost a little bit. Um, Corlin Sutton, that one-two punch of Judy and Sutton is going to be awesome. And Gino Smith, I know you said, uh, I want to say you had used the word talent. I want to use the word, uh, like the corn kid would say, he has the juice. Gino Smith has the juice, baby. Um, and I think there's a betting thing that we were talking about. Ride right with Geno Smith because somehow Geno Smith just covers every game. Geno Smith will cover. So we're going to roll with Geno Smith for the next couple weeks. See, work, do it until it does not work. That is the way that it works here. Um, DK Metcalf had seven receptions, 36 yards. Uh, obviously, you look at Geno S- Smith's stat line. He was not throwing the ball deep downfield. The they were running a lot of play action, trying to, get, trying to get Denver off balance, and it worked for him. So. You know it it was it was a really, really fun game to watch. I did enjoy it. Uh, I was on the wrong side of things on the betting side of things, but Jerry Judy did win me money,
2: so it, I kind of came out even. so it's not too bad.
0: Well, is that it for you in this game?
2: That is it for me in this game, Kenny, and I think
1: I think that might might be a, a close, close to time for a wrap up right here.
0: Yeah, that's it for us, man. We talked about the Braves, we talked about the Dogs, we talked about the SEC, and we talked about the NFL. Obviously, it's a longer podcast tonight. We've already mentioned it, uh, but a little bit more in depth in this one. We'll shorten it up in the future, but uh, we want to get this one out, kind of give our initial assessment of these teams, and uh, give a little, you know, kind of lay the groundwork for moving forward. Um, but football's all the way back. The NFL's back now, so uh, full swing of things for football season, and uh, we can't wait. So. We'll be back with another episode this week, I believe, tomorrow night. Oh, um, yeah. Talk talk some SEC or college football. Week three previews, talk the dogs, talk some more NFL stuff, what we're looking at for Thursday night game and bets moving forward. So, uh, man, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you made it this far, we're super appreciative of, of you sticking along and, and listening to this long haul of a podcast. But it's a fun one, and um, we're going to bring some more sports content here moving forward. Um, like we said, football season is in full swing, so it's time to go. Check us out on all the socials, tune in, give us a follow, subscribe to us, give us a like, interact with us. We want to get some feedback from y'all and see what we can do to make it better.
1: I think, I think those were all great closing thoughts. I was, I was going through my mind, all the stuff you were saying, and you covered everything that was in my mind. So, Kenny, great job on that. And, uh, again, just thank you
2: guys so much. And uh, we'll, see y'all, we'll see y'all tomorrow night.
0: Sir, catch
2: y'all next time.